0: Wednesday, July the 21st, 2021 Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast We have an NBA champion The Milwaukee Bucks get the job done in six Congratulations to Giannis, the Bucks, all the Bucks fans And a well-deserved, well-earned title Uh, You look around the league this year Everybody was getting hurt And this, it was, you know Sort of last team standing And the Bucks were able to fight through A couple tough series And uh, Giannis was just incredible So we get through everything Eric joins me, that'll be uh, our first guest That joins us, Uh, we cover The entire game 6, start to finish We really get into uh, The game, how things flipped back And forth in a really good game Some overall thoughts uh, about our NBA champs, that's going to be with Eric Well, We'll get to Wednesday and Thursday Racing, we've got some Best Bets from uh, Colonial for Wednesday. They got a couple cool stable duel contests going over there. And then for Saratoga for Wednesday, we'll head to Thursday Racing, Saratoga. And then a couple plays over at Woodbine. And then we finish things out with Loki. Season finale of season one. We know season two is coming. So Tim Kelly joins for one of those deep dives where we get into everything scene by scene all the important stuff all the quotes all the uh predictions moving forward all the oh my god moments loki spoiler alert we're going to get into everything loki uh, all the episodes of this season and how it you know it, it relates to everything in the greater MCU all the movies that came before it and even the projects that will uh, will come after it so We've got NBA with Eric, Wednesday and Thursday racing, and then Loki episode 6 with Tim Kelly. This episode of That's What G Said is presented by BetterThan.Vegas at BTV Bets on Twitter. So, BetterThan.Vegas is a site that has four gamblers, handicappers, um, anyone that loves sports in general. Every single day, there are a bunch of different... Handicappers and gamblers from around the world That post videos Sharing their best bets Games that they are playing um, Any wagers that they have throughout the day Any of you can go on to BetterThan.Vegas and share Some of your wagers Every week, just by posting A few videos, you will qualify For the weekly showdown Which means if you win You get money, just for posting your videos Doesn't cost you anything to enter All you have to do is register or post a couple videos every week if you follow on twitter at btvbets every single day they have different polls you vote in the polls and if all you have to do is help retweet help share some of the the polls there and they pick someone and they play a parlay and if that parlay hits or that particular wager hits you get to keep all the cash they are giving away money each and every day better than dot vegas and BetterThan.Vegas is able to bring you a lot of free content because of Manscaped And Manscaped.com, promo code 2Idiots, two T-W-O-I-D-I-O-T-S Will get you 20% off your order and free shipping Before we get into our NBA conversation with Eric I want to let you know about our good friend Cindy Carava, Full Service Realtor at cindycarava.com dot com. She's been with us here At That's What G Said From the very beginning And when you are Trying to move Sell your house Anything to do with Buying, selling, leasing It's a lot It's a task A lot of things That you have to take on You want someone Who can really help you You want someone Who's very nice and genuine To deal with That's going to be Really honest with you That's Cindy Carava And yeah, she can help you out as a full-service realtor with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you with uh, vendors, you know, th- that she's worked with. Um, you know, gardeners, landscapers, uh, painters. She can help connect you with lenders if you, you know, need help with the uh, approval for a-, a home loan. Maybe you just want to find out how much your home is worth. She can do a free market analysis of your home's value. CindyCarava.com. You can find out more about her on Yelp and Zillow with reviews on there. But all of her listings and any of the information you need, CindyCarava.com. Let's get into NBA with Eric. We chat for uh, about an hour or so. Everything. Game 6 of the NBA Finals How that finished up there Lots of NBA talk We talk a little bit about Our fantasy draft At the end there Uh, So Eric joins And a big thank you to Eric Again for uh, helping us out All NBA season Every week We had Eric on So it's our final NBA Who's hot Who's not We chat Bucks winning it all With Eric NBA Who's hot Who's not Who's hot Who's not We have an NBA champion. It is the Milwaukee Bucks. They win it in six with an incredible performance from Giannis and Eric Itaf, two one sports here, uh, joining us again like he has every single week through the NBA season from last year when the uh, when the NBA had the break. Um we talked with Eric Right when things got started again We checked in with Eric throughout the bubble We had Eric on to preview the season And then from the very beginning Eric every week till we've got here And I gotta give you a big shout out And uh and a congrats to you because I know you're You're a Pistons fan but you, you're really a fan um, Also of this Bucks team Giannis in particular, Middleton Guys that you're, you you really like And you've rooted for for a while I think you've been kind of close to them too and, and been able to go to some of their games And so you've been very high on this team For the last few years I know you made a little money And you probably feel really good About seeing some guys you like win So congrats to
1: you Thanks man, it's been great I mean, after college I moved out to Chicago um, With how, with the northern burb i live in it's actually easier for me to go up to milwaukee so i mean i've had season tickets to the bucks since the brandon jennings days man at the old bradley center so i mean seeing like Giannis and middleton and you know just all these guys just grow and then i mean granted the last two years sucked but you got to learn how to win and these guys they learned how to win and i mean it just a, I would just want to say a shout out to all the so-called experts that said Giannis was never going to wear a ring, <laughs> right? When he when he re-signed with um Milwaukee, also the people that didn't realize how truly good Drew Holiday was, and saying that wasn't a big three. I mean, it's yeah, I mean, it's just insane. And, and he everyone... didn't even
0: he didn't even play his best, the best version of what we could see from from Drew Holiday. But what you do get from him even in a game like tonight when he struggled shooting the ball you get consistently good really good defense on whoever the best perimeter on the other uh, perimeter player on the other team is I mean they would they could throw him um, when when they needed you know they, they had PJ you know as, as someone who could get to Booker uh, a little and so then they could put Drew on whatever guard And a lot of time it was it was CP3 Tonight they threw him on Payne When Payne was uh, was yeah, playing he well he, he shuts him down Payne kind of kept the Suns in it early on So I mean Giannis gets 50 And let's go through since this is our final game We can go through from the very beginning And kind of talk this game out um All the way So we'll, both teams Really slowish Starting, uh, shooting, a like, right off the bat A little tentative, as kind of is always the case In the elimination games, right? Game, like, when someone's season's on the line Especially in, in the finals like this It's a real feel-it-out process for both teams
1: Yeah, I mean, you could tell, like Especially, like, in terms of a betting aspect With how insane they started You knew, like, everything was going to come back To the law of averages And mm-hmm. it was going to be a little bit of a slower, um a little bit of a slower struggle, also a trend, and I am the furthest thing from a trend better. Every game in Phoenix went over, every game in Milwaukee went under for this series. Um, Yeah, teams were really sloppy.
0: They had um, three, within the, th- the first, uh, not even four minutes of the game, each team had three turnovers.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just a sloppy start. And they were, it wasn't like, how can I say this? They weren't like good defensive causing turnovers. No, they were, were self inflicted. Sloppy. Yes. turnovers. You can tell like Milwaukee was a start out a little bit tight, realizing that they had a chance to um mm-hmm. to win it, and then also Phoenix had their back back against the wall. It was just a, a sloppy game. Bucks got out to that. Um, Bucks got some separation though. They were able to you know make some shots and got got that separation, and then they went to um, Suns with the camp campaign, who was I mean remarkable. I mean, I really thought, like, everyone criticizes Bud and gives Monty a lot of props. I really think that one thing that Monty, the lineup Monty didn't use enough in this series was having Payne, Paul, and Booker Yes, all on the court. At Go the a little time. smaller. Yeah, because then you have three guys that are deadly in the pick and roll. And with the way Milwaukee defends the pick and roll, where they sag off of it, and you can get that 15 footer mid range, I mean, it would just, yeah. I mean, just I think that, right was, right a there. Yeah. I mean, that was a mistake. Just go to work. Huge, huge mistake by Monty that he just didn't go to that lineup for whatever reason. Uh, they weren't, played- yeah,
0: Phoenix wasn't getting good shots early. Like you said, neither team was just playing like smooth on the offensive side. They were both battling on defense too, but like, it wasn't like, like you said, it wasn't like, oh, incredible defense with a strip. It was, yeah, somebody's like not in the right spot. They're a step off. A bad pass, like sloppy handle. Phoenix was one from eight from the field to start. The total of then seven turnovers in the first five minutes for both teams. Milwaukee got up what 5 It was it was ten to five halfway through the first quarter. That's <laughs> it was only ten to five. You know, with six minutes left, and then six mil. It was the turnovers early um, that were sort of keeping Phoenix in the game and keeping Phoenix. Enough to where they weren't getting blown out And they still had a chance late Because early, they could have been down Much worse than it was I think it ended up being 29-16 at the end of the first quarter They could have been down by 20 And then what ends up happening, Eric Is like, almost exactly like what happened With the the Milwaukee the other game Where they went from down 15 To, like, up Instantly Like, within just minutes
1: It was, was, I I was thinking to myself I went, because my my bets for the day were, and I was like, after the first quarter, you know, I had the bucks future pending. I was sitting on the bucks DraftKings Kings. I dropped on the four, like an hour before tip first half under and booker under points. I was, I went from so confident in my bets to like dreading them like four minutes into the second quarter. And then that, I mean, that just question because of how it started.
0: Yeah. And then, and then you start questioning, like if you're Milwaukee too, cause you start thinking, you're like, Oh crap they come back and win this game Then we gotta go game 7 on the road You know and you just like And then you know who who happens there It was amazing how quickly that changed At the end of the first quarter Phoenix was Shooting 7 for 24 uh, They were only 2 of 9 from 3 um, And Milwaukee was out rebounding Phoenix 19 to 8 uh, They were 4 of 4 from the free throw line They were 3 of 9 from 3 uh, But the 7 turnovers was sort of Keeping Phoenix in it Uh, The 16 points was the lowest scoring First quarter in the entire playoffs For Phoenix so they were tight For sure and then Campaign seven early points uh, For Phoenix and Middleton gets a second foul with like 10 25 left in the second quarter Payne with five straight he cuts it to 29 21 and then Another turnover for Milwaukee Um, But CP3 Booker and Ayton They combined 3 of 15 to start And all throughout this game And really in a couple games in this series This was like the first series Where Aiton didn't look Really really good almost every game On both sides of the court He got in foul trouble And he missed a lot of little shots Right around the basket That he was rushing That he was just kind of turning the wrong way Doing something not like fundamental And that he had been so good Almost all the way through their playoff run
1: But I really feel that When as a basketball player When you get your shot blocked You remember that And there is, I really felt that had a presence on Aiken when he got close to the hoop. There was a point, I mean, there's like three, four minutes left. Paul or Booker gave it to Aiken low by the, he was like literally two feet away and Giannis was on him and he completely went to the fadeaway instead of going up strong. I really feel after that block in, um, oh my God, what game was that Four. that, that mentally messed up Aiken in terms of being that dominant presence inside inside the lane also um in the second quarter i really feel that bridges finally showed up for a quarter like i thought he, he played well but then after he had that missed dunk in the 30 he kind of disappeared cam johnson was nowhere to be found and i don't have this i don't have my ipad in front of me right now how many three pointers did did the suns attempt today Tonight let me pull it up right here I got everything
0: uh, for you Suns Shot from three Tonight six of 25
1: All right because everything I heard They've said they felt that they Needed to Because Milwaukee is being so dominant Getting the extra points um, From the steals The created turnovers and the second Chance points from the rebounding They felt they needed to Attempt more threes and make more threes, and I mean, obviously that didn't happen. No. I, I was, it didn't. To me, it didn't even feel they like attempted they attempted twenty five.
0: No, I agree. I didn't feel like they attempted many at all. And when you when you really look at it, you got um, Bridges had was 0 for one. Chris Paul was one for two. That's why. And then Booker didn't hit one. He was 0 for seven. That's why I didn't feel like they really even connected on any because, you know, Crowder was two of nine. Cam johnson was one of four and campaign hit both of his so um yeah they just well, for whatever Reason it wasn't really in the flow of their offense all that well and i gotta say like they Did battle they were they looked pretty out of it early on and and they were able to flip the switch There with campaign and another guy um who, who really helped them tonight was kaminsky when you know when Aiton got in foul trouble And he had like four fouls And he had I think three fouls early They had to get another big body in there They don't have Sarich anymore Kaminsky's the only guy they have And he, he made, he was three of four He hit a couple of his shots around the rim And one thing that was really key was He played fine defense it, He wasn't like embarrassed out there You could put it, he was f- for his ten minutes on the court He, um, I believe his plus minus was a, like a zero So he wasn't, he didn't hurt them at all and that's that's all that Phoenix need Needed was just a couple stretches like That so you get uh, You get to the point where Cam Johnson hits a three you get an 8-0 run for Phoenix early in the second Quarter and then um, Another eight and miss he was one of eight To start uh, Portis was Very good to start he had ten points uh, With with 630 left in the second Quarter so a very nice start for him But the Suns was scary because the Suns were only down 33-30 with 6.25 left in the second Because of the nine Milwaukee turnovers And Drew Holiday only one of eight to start CP3 hit just his second field goal really quiet early in the game So, you, you know, Phoenix probably felt pretty well about where they were, Eric At 5.20 left in the half It was 33-33 You'd gotten almost nothing from Ayton. CP3 was only giving you his second Field goal of the game and Booker hadn't gone off nobody had been Doing much and, and they were still tied Because of all those Milwaukee turnovers
1: If I would have Told you beforehand Suns would be winning At half and Booker would only Have four points you would Have said they would win the game absolutely I mean, Booker only at four at the half um, I really Like I'm going to criticize Monty Again I mean Bud left Middleton in with three fouls, he picked up the, his third foul at the five-minute mark of the second quarter. My question is, why was there no pick and roll to get Middleton on Paul or Middleton on um, um, Booker? They did nothing at all to try to do something to get Middleton that fourth foul when he was on the court. When he, I mean, he probably shouldn't have. You know what I mean? So I'm as, as much as everyone was saying how great Monty is, I think he had a lot of coaching blunders this this yes. series and I think that was a pretty key one not to try to get Middleton his fourth. I mean going into the second half that would have been huge.
0: Phoenix took the lead uh with like 4:50 left in the, the second quarter. They got up 35-33 as you can see a really low scoring game. Uh Bucks at this point, the Bucks went on a stretch in that second quarter for 8 minutes and 20 seconds they scored 5 points. 5 yeah. Points um, Aiton started limping around a little bit I think that had something to do and the foul trouble too With why you know Kaminsky was playing well They gave him a few extra minutes Phoenix was up 41-36 With 2.30 left in the half Drew missed another shot He was just 1 for 11 at this point uh, Lopez got called for an offensive goaltending on an alley oop. That was close. That could have gone r- either way, and you don't really yeah. see that called all that much on alley oops. You know it, that'll get called on like putbacks, on rebounds, and stuff like that. But on an alley oop, you don't really, really see that. So never. You know never. that was that was a different in or the traveling
1: and, call on Giannis.
0: Right? Those like, yeah, those were I a mean, couple.
1: Mean, was, it, was it wasn't a, a tra- good I'm officiated game lie. all over. It, it wasn't. It was a travel, but you never. It didn't Ever that call. Yeah Not I don't
0: think enough. it was a well Officiated game all over the place I don't think it Necessarily like was tilted one way or the Other I just thought it was pretty poor officiating um, For the most part It's probably what you get with, with foster games a lot of Them uh, but CP3 Was up to 13 points at the Half and a 31 To 13 second Quarter put Phoenix up And that was just Unbelievable Phoenix is up by five at halftime. They're up 47-42 after that awful start When it felt like they were tight When it felt like, like you said, at halftime You got Devin Booker, 2 of 8 And 2 of 8 with no free throws 4 points total and 1 assist CP3 had that good second quarter to get up to 13 um, And then you got a couple extra buckets from Aiton there But it was really that, that stretch from campaign Giving you 10 points in the first half that was what kept them in. It was like Reggie Jackson games for the Clippers in a lot of them early, or you know, get the the man. You kind of need someone to, to step up and keep you in it, and and he did. You, you get up five at, at half, and man, Phoenix had to be feeling really great about where they were.
1: I, as a Bucks fan and someone heavily financially invested in the Bucks, I was <laughs> I was a little nervous, you know. But um, you know, second half was definitely a different story, and I mean. A, like, with Giannis and that performance he had, I mean, it's just mind-boggling to me what he was doing on the court. And he was making his three throws. I mean, he's only 26. If he, you know, makes his three throws and let's say he gets up to 72, 75 percent, okay, that – and then he starts adding that 15-footer and that turnaround jump shot, I mean, that guy is going to be unstoppable. You know, he literally is going to be unstoppable. It's insane to think.
0: People are forgetting he was supposed to not even be playing right now <laughs> He was, We thought he was done because of the injury that he suffered Which most players wouldn't have even been able to come back from And he was so incredible on both sides of the court That there are just a lot of numbers that you'll look at and see That were, oh, he was the only one to do this since Or it was him and Shaq I'll get to a couple of uh, of his incredible feats What was um a, was a little, you know was I don't want to say frustrating, but you know you were hoping for a little bit more from Connaughton, who in the first half he had nothing, zero points, and and through the first five games of the finals he was 15 of 30 from three. Him and Middleton had the most three pointers made through the first five games in the entire series. They vaulted at 15. Um, you could tell that it was a plan to try to get Holiday into it. To start the second half right off the bat He missed a shot he he almost Turned the ball over um, Bridges missed a dunk um, But then Giannis Ends up with a, a Three point play and they get A five point swing there on that Bridges missed dunk Giannis comes back he gets a Bucket and then he hits the free throw And uh, Booker comes back he hits back to back Shot so Phoenix is up like 55-50 Coming out of the second half Um Holiday steals then he gets fouled And this was when I really made the note That at this point he was 2 of 13 From the field but he still had a Positive plus minus even though the Bucks were down 3 Eric And that's what shows you um, Why they went out and got Someone like him because there were games And there were times when people critique You know and criticize that throughout these playoff Runs where he would have bad games he'd have games Where even like tonight where he just did not Shoot the ball well at all But he found ways to impact the games He hit big shots Even if he had poor games early on He wasn't afraid to keep shooting He was never afraid to take on the biggest defensive assignment And uh, I mean this just felt like a really big play for him When he made that steal He gets a bucket on the other end And the the Bucks actually go up 56-55 With 8 minutes left in the third So talk about another crazy swing They go from Hugely up where it looks like they're just going to run away With this game and hide Phoenix strangles them in the second half And then in the second quarter And then to start the third quarter It's like all bucks through the first You know four minutes
1: I mean it's just Insane That run and like to your holiday point um, When you and I were Talking when this trade was First happened and everything The comment I made was he's going to be the calming factor that can come up with a big play and that, that big play will be, he doesn't score a basket. How many of those plays do you have the series? You know, you just think about the strip, the oop to Giannis last game, in this game coming up with big defensive plays, even though he shot like shit and just being that calming factor on the court. I mean, just, he just elevated everybody else. And I mean, Giannis was facilitating and, scoring like you just you just can't get enough of what he did and like in retrospect in terms of um, connington i mean he's been playing so good man he had nowhere to go but down and you know he was i thought he was pressing a little bit too much because it was a closeout game um in terms of Giannis, they just put a thing up on espn players to win multiple MVPs and a finals MVP. Javar, Jordan, Will, LeBron, Bird, Magic, Moses, Duncan, and Giannis. Javar, Duncan, and Giannis all did it 26 or younger. The class that this kid is in now is just insane. I mean, it's it's crazy to think about where this kid is going.
0: He gets another bucket. He gives Milwaukee a 58-55 lead. They go on. They went on an 8-0 run after being down 55-50. Then Crowder comes back. He hits a four-point play, which was like anytime you get a four-point play, play, that's just like a massive momentum swing. It just feels like a gut punch. Like, oh my god. Like it just it's so it's such a big deal. So it's 62-61 Bucks with 6 minutes left halfway through the third quarter. Uh, then they go on a, a little stretch where You get four straight, so they're up 66-61, CP3 Hits a jumper with 420 left, so now They're going back and forth, and this is where it was really Getting fun, it was 66-63 Now, and they were going Kind of punch, punch uh, And Giannis really, really Started to take over 73-69, three minutes left in the third Quarter, and Kaminsky, with a couple big buckets This is when he had the the, the few to kind of Keep them in the mix, Giannis had 36 Of the 75 Points for the Bucks At this point He was 12 of 19 from the field And he was 12 of 13 From the free throw line With 155 left in the third Eric this was a guy Did he have an 0 for 10 game this year
1: 0 for 10 Airball in game 7 And I mean it's just And I said it before like there's, you want a player that's not shy of the moment. Like, even at the end of this game, I mean, Holiday got the rebound and Giannis is, like, demanding the ball. You know what I mean? When they're going to foul, he doesn't care. He has so much belief in himself that, you know, he just wants the ball. And I, I mean, I'm just blown away at the game he had. I mean, like, it's hard for me to be speechless about something. But I mean 50 10 and 5 blocks I mean that's astronomical in the closeout game
0: We it, We have to mention uh, The 20 points in the third Quarter too um, So this is the second time in the NBA finals that he had 20 in the third Quarter uh, nobody's ever done that um, Michael Jordan did it as the last person to score 20 in a quarter in the Finals back in 93 um, Booker Trying his best he hits a layup Um uh, Giannis kind of grabs us back at this point Kind of looking like he's hurt And it's like, oh no As Milwaukee's up 77-73 But he just battles um, And uh, another bucket from Kaminsky And all of a sudden We are freaking tied To start the fourth quarter Eric, we got a brand new ball game To start the fourth um, And for Kaminsky He had six points at this uh, at this stretch, starting the fourth quarter, and he had six points in the first five games put together. That would have been another point for Phoenix if they were able to get the win. Now you would have looked back on uh, just Kaminsky getting you a couple buckets and playing fine defense, and Payne; those would have been the two guys that that really helped them in this game if they would have won. Um, you know, when their stars didn't didn't have their great stretches.
1: And why did you know? Another thing, like Kaminsky. Like you said, 10 minutes, you know, you noticed them on the court because he made good plays. He didn't, you know, there wasn't a, a significant drop mm-hmm. from him to, from Aiken to him, you know. Mm-hmm. And he contributed to them. Yep. It makes you think, like, why didn't he get 10 a minutes couple, more? A couple more? You know I, I mean?
0: thought the same you thing. You know what I mean? Like he, it, For some reason, Aiden seemed a little off tonight. And the same buckets that... And, and, you know, I'm not saying you close the game With Kaminsky, but maybe you just give him a few Extra minutes there to start the fourth So that way, to close Ayton's got a little bit more legs there You know, especially when he's in foul trouble Um, because he would Kaminsky hit the same exact couple buckets That Ayton had missed tonight Just sort of those, like, around the rim Little turnarounds, little kind of push shots Where maybe you've gotten a smaller guy Switched on to you, so you've got the advantage And, um yeah, I agree with you. You maybe you wanted a few more from uh, from Kaminsky. Could you imagine saying that just a few games ago, where you know he's always someone, but that you could pick on. But you could tell as soon as he got out there on the court, he wasn't going to be a liability on defense to, for them tonight. He was moving his feet really well, and he was just playing really, really hard. And that kind of shows you right there, right? A guy that like Kaminsky, he can come in the out in the NBA Finals in a in a big game and give you ten minutes just by effort. And smart. You know, is he ever going to be a guy anymore that is going to play a ton? No, not on a good team, but he could still come in and contribute by just doing the right thing, putting himself in the right position. And that's what he did tonight. And hey, you know, we give him a few minutes in a conversation where uh, some of these games it, it, he would have been someone that you laughed at.
1: I mean, I mean, think about your team, the Lakers. Like what you described, that 10 minutes, that would have been crucial. Oh my gosh. I mean, oh I gosh. Mean, like, he. He made himself like today. He made himself a little bit of money, like, yeah. you know. Who made a lot of money was Bob. Bobby. Portis has set himself up for an incredible day with how he played in this uh, playoff run.
0: He's become a huge minutes. fan favorite, right? Wow. You guys oh, love him over there.
1: Yeah, huge. Like, they, they printed out these shirts. His face, Bobby, Bobby on it. It is the highest selling Bucks shirt, and it's on. Order. Like I mean, this cult hero. Uh, I guess him. the Brewers have already reached out out to him to throw out the first pitch in um whatever series they have starting on Monday. Like, <laughs> nice. It's just it's just insane. Like, but that's the thing. Like a lot of these guys like come into the league. Like Bobby Portis was the SEC Player of the Year uh back when he played at Arkansas. A lot of these guys come into the league and they just press. They think they're going to be the man. They don't understand like. Their role. And I really feel like once this year is the first year, like he kind of understood his role and it was a humbling experience. He's Mm -hmm. only getting paid like two, three million dollars a year, but he's totally embraced his role of being, hey, six man, 25 minutes, a game tops. I'm going to get some open shots. And that's just me. And he embraced it this year, won a title, and he set himself up for a great payday Mm -hmm. in the future.
0: He did, uh, really, really good stuff from Portis uh, as we finish up. Getting and think
1: through- how good he did. Like I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead, please. Go ahead filling in those games, those two games when Giannis was hurt. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I know. He showed like he played great. Lopez made some huge buckets for him in the third quarter uh, with some runners. Um, Tucker, the thing Tucker did is they put Paul on him. He would take him down low and he would get the rebounds. I mean, that was great. For as much as people criticize Bud, Bud made some great, great, great adjustments, which is crazy to say, throughout the whole playoffs. Um, my one big CP3 thing that I said to you before we started recording, all the talk about CB3 being anywhere close to Isaiah Thomas's table, where he could sit at that table, is gone. I mean, yeah. Isaiah Thomas never... Never would have let his team be up 2-0 in the NBA Finals And lose four games in a row Never That never would happen with C And, and he, he never would disappear in two games like Chris Paul did
0: He struggled a little bit throughout He he finished off okay Like when it's all said and done His numbers looked, looked good tonight And he he kept them in the game And he he hit some big shots throughout But there were so many times in this series That it felt like and I guess even in the Clippers series like I don't know how well he played. He played great in in Denver and he played pretty good in stretches against the Lakers, but he was a little banged up there. But he I don't know, he didn't seem like he controlled games a whole lot here. He he just was kind of like a guy out there not someone who was dominating and and when he's at his best really able to to kind of set the tempo. Um and yeah, I wonder, you know, this is a spot you're you don't you never know where what it's gonna end up for him, but you have to feel like they thought this was the best opportunity. I mean, he's never been there before, but just the opportunity of Phoenix being there waiting for a team who'd already battled through a couple different series. You had no clue what you were gonna get from Giannis at this point with his injury. And um yeah, it was you know, this was a year where the Lakers got banged up, the Clippers got banged up, Denver got banged up, you know can, can you expect that to happen every single Year uh, I, I don't know This was a really good opportunity For uh, for this Phoenix team and like you said I when it's all said and done If he doesn't win we'll probably Look back on him more like someone As a like a Barkley type uh, Even though Barkley didn't really like The, the problem with Barkley is uh, Maybe CP3 will be more like Malone He didn't curl up Into a ball and cower Right he just he didn't he couldn't take that extra oomph to lead to lead a team like you need to, uh, like he needed to, unfortunately. And so, yeah, this will this will be a bummer because, like you said, this this will definitely keep him from on these lists when people have conversations uh, from putting him up into like another upper echelon of all time point guards.
1: And like it's crazy. Like I was talking to my friend about this. People forget Tony Parker. You know, Tony Parker was an MVP. Conversations he won two titles. You know what I mean? Like, there's a list of point cards like you can argue about CP3 is better than CP3, excuse me, that I think get overlooked. Um, Yeah, it's just, I don't know, like, I've never been a big C3P guy. I think he whines too much. I think he's dirty as hell. And, I mean, he has elevated teams, but he's never taking them, you know, to the promised land. Yeah. Um, yeah go and ahead. also, like, I can't stand Booker. I used to be the hugest Booker fan in <laughs> the world, but I mean, I have never seen somebody whine as much as that kid does. I mean, I felt like this year, like whining after a call, which I, as a coach, I, I can't stand. Cause I the
0: kids see it when it's frustrating. Cause you, they stand. see it and then they do it.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I can't stand it. It frustrates the crap out of me. I mean, the utter crap out of me. And, um, i j like to no end especially the like the way i was coached um my basketball coach growing up you mentioned charles barkley my basketball coach growing up was steve marley dan marley thunder danny played on the same team uh mm-hmm. that, that was his that his older brother was my coach growing up he wouldn't let us do any of that shit No, i mean immediately get back on defense no whining whatever um
0: and everybody does it, right? You know, like LeBron does it's, it a lot it just, on the Lakers fans. I just can't
1: stand like, it. Like, it. It just seems like this year, it's been more than it has in years past. I agree. And in the finals, it's just been astronomical. It's like every, after every single play, Booker is whining about something. You get from is winding Paul. about something. Yeah, you guys whining about something. Giannis isn't you know too bad. Like
0: he'll get it, but the problem with Giannis what's, what's frustrating with someone like him is he gets hit a lot. And like he'll get the benefit of, of the doubt on some calls and people will look at his free throw rate, but you could legitimately call it's sort of like LeBron and then LeBron will have to like he'll have to over start over exaggerating and then he'll do it and he'll fake like when he gets sometimes not even hit and fall over. But there's more times where the bigger guys that drive get hit and they don't get fouled. You know, the bigger guys that drive like a Giannis and LeBron are the ones that sort of don't get as much as the smaller guards where they just get like breathed on out there. And that's it's it's kind of like what we were talking about, I think, the other day in that the way that these guys are getting officiated in the regular season, it's it's hurting them in the playoffs. It's sure as hell hurting them in the international games that we've seen these Olympic teams lose because they don't get those. Those touch calls, like they do in the NBA over there, and the players trip over themselves and they fall, and they're expecting it, and it it hurts them because there probably were a lot of calls that Booker was complaining about, or that Paul or whoever that they would have gotten in the regular season. And so there's this just a poor officiating, like we said tonight, and the way the game's being officiated, the way that the player, like the calls that some of these players are think they're entitled to getting, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And I mean, I get
1: it, like yeah, you don't like this I thought this game was physical this whole series has been physical playoff basketball is way physical but with the NBA season being so long it's unrealistic that the officials allow it to be that physical but in the playoffs and in the regular season is looking at them at two separate things there's just no how going I gonna say it um consistency you know what I mean like if there's just consistency game to game in the regular season, game to game in the playoffs, I don't think there'd be that much whining. But as that's the big issue, and also like nobody is given a technical. Portis was given a technical today for running up and down the up and down after the call. Booker did the same thing. No T on Booker. You know what I mean? There's just no consistency in anything.
0: We uh, continue on a little bit. Let's get through the fourth quarter as we finish up the final NBA game of the season So uh, yeah, Aiton had four fouls, that was why you were Getting a lot of Kaminsky there We got this incredible block by Giannis, uh, with 8.50 left And then he hit a bucket, so all of a sudden The Bucks are up by four uh, Then CP3 comes back with a big shot It's 86-84 And Giannis gets fouled by Aiton for Aiton's fifth, uh, the Bucks go up By four, 88-84 And uh, cr- oh Crowder this is when Crowder tripped and Portis got called for that foul that shouldn't have been a foul and then he got a technical for running down the court but that was not I I mean he sort of looked like he tripped I mean I don't know it was close
1: I didn't think it was a foul I didn't either Crowder's like I'll tell you what there's like I've said this numerous times there's certain guys you just want on your team I want Crowder on my team I mean that guy is a as a pit bull, you know, he'll he'll flay on he He'll, when he he'll needs make to. a play. No but he's not really dirty.
0: You know what I mean? Like he's not like Beverly dirty. You know, like you feel like he's tough and he'll do what's right, but you don't feel like he's trying to hurt guys. You know, and
1: he's like Patrick like, Beverly with skill. Like that's basically yes. what he is. Yeah, like,
0: He he's the tough guy that you want, right? Because yeah. he can hit a shot. He's tough, but he's not just like an ass, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean he has no fear. He can drive um, make a three throw Hit a three He can f- flop and flail And he yep. can play tough defense And he can play tough defense Without being dirty
0: mm-hmm. On multiple multiple positions right He can guard sort of smaller He can guard up a little bit bigger Because he's tough And because he's got a big body And a big frame Where he's got like a You know he's he's not thin or wiry So he can put a, You know you can't really back him Someone like him down Even and if you're
1: Out of everybody that the Suns Threw at Giannis tonight I really thought Crowder did the best. I agree. Like, you know, and I that comes back to another, like, why wasn't earlier in the series? Why wasn't, why weren't we seeing more Crowder on Giannis? You know, like, you can really look back and, like I said a couple of times, like, really criticize Monty for some of the decisions he made.
0: So, it was eighty-eight, eighty-four. And uh, we got another big block From Giannis then he gets fouled on the other end He might have fouled Booker on that one Giannis but like he's making these incredible Plays again that would have been like a hard one to call But he might have gotten away with one there Uh, Bucks get up 90 to 84 with 720 left Giannis is just playing unbelievable Defense and this was one where He fouled CP3 but Just watching him like get down In defensive stance And like Okay, I've got CP3 here. This is the kind of thing that people were getting asking, like, why wasn't Giannis guarding Durant in this spot? Or why wasn't Giannis coming out and guarding this guy? Or why doesn't Gobert come out and guard Giannis was like, screw it. And and um he gets a lot of crap, but this is something that like Anthony Davis does too. Where like he'll go out, he'll guard your small, he'll kind of like get down a little bit in defensive position and get ready to shift his feet. And he just ended up picking up a foul But he made CP3 work Really hard here And that's one of those things where it's like Damn he doesn't get just by you And that makes him think about the next time Going uh oh Giannis is right there Like I'm gonna have to work really hard to get by him again It's just it's He was leaving it all out on the court Every time out he was just gassed And it's like uh oh Giannis is really In some trouble here And then he would be fine You know the game
1: would start back up and he'd be fine I mean, it's just like mean, his motor is just insane. And back to his defensive thing, his defensive—what you're talking—is defensive play on Paul. They flashed up a stat: he is now him, Elijah Wan, and Jordan—the three players that have won a Defensive Player of the Year, an MVP, and a Finals MVP. That is insane company to be in. Um, in terms of your point, like I really feel like the defensive like awards and everything are kind of um. How Can I say this? Um, BS. like look at yeah, I mean, look at Drew Holiday. Has Drew Holiday improved by that good of a defender from his Pelican days to his Buck days? No, he's still the same level of defense, but now since he plays for the Bucks, who are a good team,
2: yeah,
1: he's, he's on the uh, oh, the a team list, you know, he uh, yeah. hadn't even been a first or second team all defender, and now he goes to the Bucks and now he's on the team, you know what I mean? Like I think it's BS. Um, So, Tucker, like, I think the same thing with Tucker. I think Tucker's a great defender. Oh, I know. know? And it comes back to, with Giannis, I really feel like he just exerts so much energy on the offense, they just wait for his critical times to put him in those defensive situations. But yeah, he'll get right in your face, and he'll leave it on the court, because this guy just wants to win, and I don't know if you remember... Kobe challenged him to win the MVP. Every yep. won the MVP, yeah. he like goes, okay, now a championship. Both those things are done. And those guys, mm-hmm. and it didn't get much publicity because everyone talks about Booker mm-hmm. and um, Kobe. Giannis worked out with Kobe a couple of times. So, I mean, you can still see the legacy of Kobe going on, even though he isn't here anymore. Uh,
0: we are down to six minutes left with 620. Booker hits a, a- Really tough shot I mean, Drew was all over him He hit this like back right in his face Is like right around the free throw line So it's 92-88 But Giannis like every time it's like Okay big shot Within 10 seconds Giannis was back The other way either getting a dunk Scoring a layup or getting fouled Like immediately before Phoenix Ever had the opportunity to even get set up He dunks it and all of a sudden He's got 45 points And, and then that was that was pretty much it there was Booker uh had an offensive foul with 538 left and the bucks were up uh, by 6 94 88 uh Conaton got a big rebound so he you know what he was helping out even though he wasn't able to score in this game he wasn't able to give them anything he still gave them eight rebounds You know that like he got a couple big Rebounds gave them a couple opportunities helped them eat some clock then Crowder Like this is another play that he he hits that awkward like falling over Shot with four minutes and 50 Seconds left to make it 94 90 Where he just is like throws it in Um, And then Then one thing that you and I have hit On Eric for a long time Now a couple years Is Middleton and the, the Difficult shots that he can make the Tough shot making and With 4 minutes and 50 seconds left You had Middleton Who had not had a great game himself Because everybody was leaning on Giannis Middleton at this point was like 4 of 11 I think He hits this fall away Like one footer That looked like a Dirk Kind of shot like With someone right in his face to make it 96-90 And then We got another big Middleton shot a little bit later But that one kind of felt like a dagger There because uh, Phoenix played great defense. They were only down by four, and then you get Middleton, who's been struggling. He hits this Dirk-looking shot.
1: I mean, it's insane what he's like. I said I've said this numerous times, and I'm I hate repeating myself, but I really feel that game last year in the bubble where yeah. he led them against the Heat just gave him the confidence yes. to know that he's capable of that. And it doesn't matter like what you do in the past; it matters like. Are you confident going up for the shot And do you have a short-term memory And do you think you'll make the shot And that's what he had in that situation That wasn't, like you said, that wasn't like an easy Hey, wide 15-footer No It was like, boom, wham, bam, good Going you know to his I mean? left,
0: yeah. he was going to the left He had he had only one foot up It was like off-balance And it was it, That shot, and then uh, A minute, you know, we got a P.J. Tucker steal Devin Booker had a foul, got another foul With four minutes and 11 left the next play to me kind of was what was one that that sort of sealed it. Aiton had this layup, and you could tell, just like you said, the presence, just the presence of Giannis. Even though Aiton abs- could have just jammed it, and Giannis would have had to foul him, or he could have lit- like Aiton had the advantage; there was no way Giannis would have been able to block it. But he like hesitated, and then he turned the wrong way, and then when he turned back, he kind of like. He didn't really like, know where his body was And he just kind of threw it up against the back of the rim Those were shots he was making All throughout the playoffs But because, like you said Of that Giannis block earlier And because of the presence of Giannis down there That was the one that That was kind of a microcosm of this game And maybe a little bit of the series Because, yeah, Aiton had some good games But the I, I think The reason why they made it this far Was 100% because of Aiton uh, Because you knew that you know, Chris Paul and Booker are good And everybody's going to have a star or two Just like that But nobody was expecting Aiton to play As well as he played This basically entire playoffs Give or take a few games in this series But that was And that was why they were so good And that's why their like their Floor and their margin of error raised Because most of us weren't giving Aiton that Ability, like we didn't think he had that ability Because he hadn't really shown it That he was going to go 40 minutes both ways And for the first time in this series Whatever it was, combination of You know, not not losing a little confidence Maybe getting a little run down A little tired, a little banged up, everything He just was not the same guy Throughout this series as he was in the other series
1: I mean, I thought He did good against Davis Good against Joker uh, Great In the uh, conference finals against the Clippers Yep Um, Did good the first game and then just kind of disappeared after that. And people forget sports is all about confidence. And if someone, I've said it all the time, and if someone blocks your shot, it is a huge, huge Blow to your confidence it is like just out on the park man
0: when you're out up. on the park and someone blocks and you're like "Ah, crap I was looking at you and then the net like you just you always hesitate or pass up that next shot right you just oh, like you sure. wait for one where you're sure you're open just to get that one off the next time and, you know and
1: once Giannis gets you you're kind of like shit you know, know what i mean like you're looking you're behind you. kind of like shit and like it's just it's just done from there and i really think like you know, mentally wise he was just not I don't wanna say gone, but it was just in the back of his head and that mm-hmm. once you get that negative thought in your head as an athlete at this level, you're done. And that's why it's so important you gotta have that short term memory and be able to move on from stuff.
0: Yeah, he just you know, you got a night from eight and tonight where he was four of twelve. He had twelve points and then only the six rebounds. Uh he had those five fouls, so he played Still played 36 minutes but um, He just was not giving them that impact And then you know Booker I think he's He's going to be disappointed after a, a Solid playoff run and a couple of games That he had were You know you see how good he can be At, at his best but uh, He was 0 of 7 from the 3 point Line tonight he only scored 19 Points on 22 shots And he, uh, he, Phoenix scored 4 straight late to cut it uh, It was 98-90 it was bucks Aiden hit a layup um, after a, a big crowd of rebound, um, and then uh, Giannis with this like one-handed push shot. He put him up eight. Phoenix scored four straight, so it was uh, with one ten left. They they did kind of get right back in it. Uh, they were they were down one hundred and ninety six, and we got another big Middleton shot off the screen, coming around, um, just in rhythm. And so two of the bigger shots in this game, both times where Phoenix had cut it. To 4 points late In the 4th quarter You go to Middleton He gets you a big one 102-96 uh, And then to finish it off Just to put the icing on the cake You get a 50 spot from Giannis He goes 17 of 19 From the free throw line He scores 50 points On 25 shots 50 out of 105 It wasn't like they scored 130 or 140 He had freaking half of their points tonight.
1: It's just insane. I mean, just in the, in a game, six
0: finals closeout.
1: And back to your thing about Middleton, um, you got to have a short term memory. You got to have confidence. Like I was saying about Aiken and we've both said it. Middleton did not play that well. He was missing a lot of shots, but when the bucks needed him and he went ISO, he hit a critical shot off balance on one foot. You know, and let's not forget, like, before he hit that one foot, that one it with the um the one you just mentioned, like a minute and change left. The possession before, he had that god awful turnover. God only goes what he if he thought Portis was cut into the hoop, he, oh, he up just his completely on, he, threw it know, away. Yeah. yeah. Like but the next play completely forgot about it, yep. head down. And that's what you have to have. And that's what at the end of the day, you know, Aiken didn't have and I truly believe like as a coach like you have to learn how to win before you can be a champion and when you look back at what this Bucks team did they were up what was it a couple years ago two zero on the Raptors 10-point lead in the third quarter blew it blew then to have such a dominant off regular season COVID hit. Then they go on the bubble and they get embarrassed by the Miami Heat. I really think just the combination of all that for their core guys who have been there during the duration, Giannis, um, Connington, Middleton, um, Lopez, I think that for that core was just huge. And then you throw in Tucker and Holiday and DiVincenzo and you you just get that winning mix of, like personalities and players and that's what got them over the hump and now since this team has learned how to how to win like you don't even know like how if like how long they're going to be on top now
0: and I th- a lot of people will probably look and and say right and maybe these things are correct like maybe if uh you know Brooklyn's got a full compliment and they but the, we we talked about this with this Brooklyn team forever those are three guys that don't have good Track records of staying healthy Or being guys that you can count on All the time We literally had the conversation throughout the year that Yeah Brooklyn's really good but Are they going to be able to make it through Four difficult playoff series And what you found is what, what it, And what it looked like to me too is Like you said they, they learned how to win And Giannis really started to figure out What he can do He wasn't playing As smart earlier in the playoffs or last year in the playoffs or 2 years ago in the playoffs right he he wouldn't do a lot like he would try to get, he would get caught up in the three point game and shooting too many of those or t- taking bad shots and he and maybe some of the times the free throws uh were missed you know the free throws would get in his head he really kind of said in the last two series when we saw him um the, I think the, uh, maybe the last couple games against Brooklyn too he kind of just said "f it," I'm going to go right at the basket, and I'm not going to get cute anymore. And if if he continues with that mentality, sort of like a young LeBron mentality, and then LeBron learned how to get like b- get you know more distance with his shot and perimeter stuff, but he like when he's playing that way, I don't care if you're Brooklyn or the Lakers or a lot of teams. Like there are not many teams or many players that could stop him when he's playing smart, passing the ball well. Um, understanding when to go and just using his unbelievable athleticism.
1: He's figuring it out. Like I've said it before, like you really don't mature on the basketball court in the NBA. you're about 27, 28, two years ago, he was 24. You know what I mean? He's only 26 and he's just like now ahead of the curve, like kind of figuring everything out. I mean, I hate to sound like a broken record, but he just put his name in the same category as a lot of great players, you know what I mean. Like he's just, and he's just um, getting to the cusp of what what he can do. And then it makes you think, like I'm a free agent, you know, like I want to win a ring, and I'm looking around, like I may want to just go up to Milwaukee of all places just to play with this kid to try to win a <laughs> wing. Now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it like, kind of like you know, and like the way he did it, like not leaving, signing his. Extension a year before he needed to, so it didn't linger over the seer, linger over the um, this the team and the city and everything. Mm-hmm. And then the Bucks, like, they had the trade for Brogdon, they completely that got overturned by the NBA and they completely had to like call an audible and like kind of oh, the, Bogdanovich Bogdanovich
0: yeah, the Bogdanovich one, right? the, yeah, yeah, Bogdanovich one, right? Yeah, bo- yeah, yeah, Brogdon yeah. was their their point yeah. guard that they boss, years ago,
1: yeah. Bogdanovich. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they but... completely had to like call an audible and redo everything and like honestly like big picture that trade not happening allow them to add the certain pieces that they need to get that championship because if they got him
0: they don't get tucker
1: maybe everybody
0: right maybe they don't and get tucker also
1: yeah maybe they don't get tucker and you don't know if they'll have like the necessary depth to win it um and then uh also the one thing the one thought in the back of my head that I keep going back to, because DiVincenzo used to be the starter. How much would Tucker have played if Divincenzo didn't get hurt? You know what I mean? Cause like that would like it it's kind of crazy like how like stuff kind of panned out and been with that Divincenzo injury, like Tucker being thrust um into the uh into the starting lineup and everything. And it's kind of crazy like Craig gets a ring now too. Because he was on this He was on the, sun, was, so was the, on the boat. So, but yeah. But I mean it was a great series. I mean, it's just I don't know. Kind of was like a fan and everything. I'm just it's now just kidding me that they finally effing got it.
0: Yeah. First and I, win. And since, I, can,
1: I can't wait. Like I, I don't know when the parade is gonna be, but I'm def my ass is definitely gonna make it up to the parade.
0: First win. Uh, in the NBA finals since 1971 For the Bucks Congratulations to them Congrats to Eric Who was high on them all year And uh, Eric um, Maybe we will chat Let's see what's today So today is Tuesday So uh, the NBA draft Is next Thursday Actually are you? Do you do NBA draft as much too Or no not as much as NFL You get into it a little oh. bit or no
1: a little bit, little bit, not much as NFL. Maybe
0: we'll recap it after. I, yeah, well, maybe yeah, we'll do I like could a recap.
1: recap it, but like I'll be honest, like a lot of these foreign players, unless it's I have, no, like clue. Buka, are I have just, no clue. Luca, yeah, no I have clue. no clue. Yeah, I have no clue. Yeah, I so, don't know a lot of these foreign players.
0: So maybe next uh, in a week, week and a half, we'll do maybe like a little recap and see uh, what some of the teams got, and we'll go through a little bit some of the teams that we like, what they did, and uh, but yeah, NBA. Um, I think I saw. Actually, the first game of the season is 13 weeks from today, which doesn't sound like all that much when you think about it Um, after we just – I ended. mean,
1: it's crazy. I mean, I already put down my – it was crazy. Like, I already put down my uh, money for next year's tickets for the Bucks like, two days ago. Like, it's nice. just crazy, like, how it's just right around the corner. I mean, it's just – but also, like, the Olympics start, and it's crazy to think now that Booker Middleton – and holiday.
2: Those dudes gotta
1: go to the Olympics. Are all gonna be flying there together for the Olympics. But I mean like I don't even know like with Leo like, TM USA, like Levine's and in- um, what is it? COVID? It was in
0: protocols. protocols. They had to bring up other, I, I'm getting nervous now about the Olympics, especially with the stuff that we're hearing here with the Delta variant and all these variants. And, um, we had, we had, uh, the mask mandates, uh, again, back here in, in Southern California and Los Angeles. Um, if you're going indoors vaccinated or not now, again, um, in, in, inside places, uh, and so I, Man, I, I'm getting nervous. Just I know there's not gonna be fans at the Olympics, but just the thought of like everybody from all over the world coming together, that's kind of where these viruses like feast when you get people from all over these different places. And uh so I yeah, we'll we'll knock on wood and we'll keep our fingers crossed because yeah, there could be some NBA to watch soon with the uh the Olympics starting soon and uh NBA draft stuff coming up next week. So not necessarily uh if you're fans of basketball, don't worry, there will still be some coming up and you won't have to wait too long. For the uh, the NBA season next year um, Before I let you go Eric Wanted to get a little uh, A few moments with you on our Fantasy teams that we drafted uh, We finished up the Fantasy draft that you And I are in the King of Lions League With a bunch of other really cool uh, Fantasy players Guys who have been playing fantasy for a long time Who cover uh, and, and our fantasy football analysts who have other shows or websites or um or writers or podcasters and it's a really it was a lot of fun uh in the last month or so kind of going back and forth getting into chats with everyone and we completed our league so far in our draft so i'm kind of curious what you thought of your uh team that you got set up i you and i were speaking today it's never good news and it's a bummer when anybody gets injured but you know when we when you pick Teams in fantasy you kind of pick a lot of players As handcuffs just kind of hoping that uh, They're backups but if somebody goes Down which is inevitable in football And in pro sports that those players Will get a bigger opportunity It's it's sort of like a, a really Mixed emotions for me too because uh, I'm a Rams fan mm-hmm. And so Cam Akers gets hurt and he Was really good last year and I, I think he Is going to be very good moving forward He's going to miss the entire season But I picked it uh, i I selected uh, Daryl Henderson Jr. Because the Rams don't have a lot of backfield depth Just as someone who I thought would be able to get some touches He's actually been pretty good in, in some of the limited stuff That he's has been able to do And he can catch the ball out of the backfield a bit too And now with Cam Akers out He's really, I mean he's RB1 right now I, I guarantee they're going to make a move to go get somebody else I don't know if it'll be someone that, you know That's, that's a real RB1 But n- I think no matter what Uh, That bodes very well for someone like Henderson in in a McVay offense.
1: Because even if they, like, bring someone in or I'm hearing. Someone
0: from the Texans.
1: uh, The guy, um, he said Ronald Jones. He said they're going to try to trade for Ronald Jones for the Buccaneers. Um, uh, They have to learn the offense. You know what I mean? Henderson knows the whole playbook. Like, hypothetically, let's, let's say they bring Rojo in. It's going to take Rojo a little while to get used to everything. Yep. And McVeigh has always been a guy that he still kind of rotates the backs in and out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's definitely like I mean, I hate it for Acres because I've loved that kid since his uh, Florida State gaze. I, I mean, you hit it right in the head. You got to kind of have, have those handcuffs in case someone go down. Like you can fit it in because I truly believe that. It's not necessarily the running back, but it's the running system that makes the running back. And you definitely want a running back that's in the McVay running system.
0: Yep. A couple other guys on my team that I had sort of similar, uh, um, you know, I don't want to say hopes, but that were just kind of my uh my thought process going in was uh, Latavius Murray and uh, Daryl Williams for KC if Ceh were to miss some time or just someone that they need a little bit be- between the tackles because we've talked about how uh, Ceh isn't really a good goal line kind of back. Um, if uh if for some reason Camaro were to miss time, who knows what that offense is going to look like now. Um. Moving forward without Drew Brees It's going to be really hard to gauge So, um, Murray's always been someone that's been pretty good When he's gotten the moment So I have a couple other uh, backup running backs there The rest of my team uh, from the top And then we'll go through Eric's team I have uh, Kyler Murray as my quarterback Chubb, Mostert as my uh, RB1 and 2 at the moment Uh, My starting wide receivers on this team Are Stephon Diggs and Terry McLaren Uh, I have uh, Andrews as the tight end Debo Samuel as a flex And the Bills D- um, Daryl Henderson, Corey Davis for, for the Jets Octavius Murray, John Brown for uh, Vegas Also Brian Edwards for Vegas uh, Van Jefferson for the Rams And Nelson Aguilar uh, and Daryl Williams So that is my squad in the uh, King of Lions uh, Fantasy League That I'm in with Eric We're playing on ESPN We just had a long draft over uh, about like a week or so Eric, uh, tell us what your team looks like
1: My team, I got Carson Wentz. I mean, my strategy is if you look at the quarterbacks drafted like fifth, ADP fifth at the beginning of the year and the ADP of 12th at the beginning of the year, there's only a five point differential. I would much rather have somebody in a wide receiver or a um, running back. Because the gap between 5 and 12 ADP is a lot more significant. I'd be much I'm happier getting a quarterback later on. Wentz has been someone I've been targeting because, A, he averaged over 21 points a game in the uh, Frank Wright offense when he had his career year. This is going to be the best offensive line he's ever, ever played behind. The um, Taylor and that run game are going to open stuff up, especially in the play-action game for him. And nothing motivates somebody more than being humiliated. And when you're an NFL, you should have won the MVP that year, you got hurt. When you're an NFL starting quarterback and you get benched for a rookie in Jalen Hurts, that is that humbles you. And I really think Wentz is going to come out with something to prove. I really feel he's going to finish in the top seven in terms of quarterback production. I had the first pick. I hated it. But, you know, for me, I had to take McCaffrey, you know, it is a half point PPR. So I had to take McCaffrey, got Dobbins on the turn. Um, Romans has the best running system. I really feel their offensive line is going to take a step back losing Stanley and Brown, but you still have a Greg Roman running system. So I really think Dobbins is still going to get the bulk of carries there. Um, Allen Robinson, I contract year, nothing motivates people more than money. So I really like a Rob this year. I got Deontay Johnson. I know even with the drops, but he's in the Antonio Brown system in the Steelers offense. I really also feel that the Steelers aren't going to be that good this year. So as you may be coming from behind. Yeah. <laughs> no, they might be having to come about, from behind a lot. Yeah. About, about future bets. So I really think they're going to be passing the ball a lot more. Um, my punt is Noah Fant. I, um, I missed out on all the top tight ends. So I just kind of punted on Noah Fan fan just because I really feel he's going to be a factor. Um, especially if Bridgewater is the starter, who I think he's gonna be instead of um, uh, Drew Locke. Mike Davis is someone I've been targeting too. He's starting to get a lot of win, a lot of steam right now in the fantasy football community. There's no other competition in the for in Atlanta. So that means he's gonna get the bulk of the carries. Also, you look at the running back. The production, the Arthur Smith system—you have to love. I was the one who took the first defense off the board. I think I took it around fourteen. I have Washington as my best, as the best defense in the league. It's a good call. You know, I mean, take them. Uh, I got OBJ in the eighth round. That's that was that was low. a
0: really good pick. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he yeah. at that point, it's just he's totally icing on the cake. He could be incredible for you. Maybe he's not going to give you old OBJ numbers, but he's the one that can win you any. Single week, and it's not like you wasted all that high of draft capital on him if he gets banged up, or he he. you have to take a flyer on him in that spot.
1: Oh, yeah, and I mean, I feel like you know, there's gonna be some weeks you play, he's not an everyday start every week starter, but he's a viable piece. Uh, I got Fournette, like I said, like I have a guy who's pretty close to stuff, he thinks Rojo is gonna be traded, and if you have playoff Leonard, that's great. Tyler Boyd was a top 10 wide receiver with Joe Bur- Burrow. Um, before Burrow got hurt, I think I got him at like round ten. Um, I love Hardman this year. He has a history of being injured, and I really feel that teams are going to start to um roll coverage on uh, Tyreek and Kelsey, and that's going to leave stuff a lot underneath underneath for Hardman, and also um no more Sammy Watkins. So Hardman has solidified the number two. Uh, took a page out of your book. Went after the handcuff. If Delvin Go- Cook gets hurt, I got Madison.
0: Madison's a great one. Yeah, you
1: know, which is huge. Um, Dude,
0: he's good. Like, and see too. Like, you know, handcuffs are 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 you know. But I I you know we've watched a lot of these guys. Like, there are some running backs that are backups that are very good running backs that they just don't get a lot of opportunities because the guy in front of them is good. He runs hard. Every time he ever gets any opportunity out there Whether it's like the end of the game And they just want him to run out the clock Because they don't want Dalvin Cook to get banged up Or whether it's because Cook is banged up And missing a game That dude puts his head down and runs I'm always impressed with with how hard he runs And he's the type of handcuff guy that I like Because not only, yeah, he's a handcuff And he's he's in a spot where they they want to run the ball But he he just seems like a guy who runs hard and if given the opportunity he makes the most like very good bang for his buck
1: uh he's great i mean i would like if he played in a different team he'd probably be like a top three top third round sorry fourth or third round pick um i got ingram i was really hoping i would be able to get hunter henry with this pick this was like one of my last picks i just needed a backup tight end or another another body, but I got just in to case uh, Fant um, doesn't hit. Yeah. And I mean, the giants, like I, I sent you a message about this. I think like giants are kind of an interesting team this year. They have a lot of weapons. I really think they're going to be a little bit of an under the radar team. Uh, I took a punt on Justin Fields. I feel by week four, he's going to be the starter. And with his running ability, you get the rushing yards. The Bears are going to play some teams that have some bad defenses. I really feel that just a no-brainer punt you know maybe i'll get lightning in a bottle and have two viable quarterback options and then my last pick i took the dolphins they play the texans on washington's bye week and i feel the texans are going to be the worst team in football so i i just feel felt that was the best option because i'm i'll be honest i'll only play the dolphins once and that will be that week when the washington has their bye
0: we are already to july the 20th Wow, we're not too far away from the start of the NFL season So there's going to be a lot of fantasy football talk out there There's going to be a lot of fantasy football stuff One of the best uh, to follow when it comes to that is Eric You've heard him here uh, over the last couple years You know, giving analysis on everything All different sports, we've Gone through the basketball season and now We're going to shift our focus quite a bit To NFL to NFL prep And then to week by week NFL Coverage you'll get that here on That's what G said we'll have Eric here With us as much as he can be helping Us go through those games each and every Week and uh, Eric uh, We're recording this uh, right after The uh, the basketball game on Tuesday night What do you have coming up uh, the next couple of Days this week and uh, with, uh, with Your content
1: I'm Really diving hard In the NFL right now like you and I have talked about how I bet stuff I'm basically done with MLB I'm doing all um just NFL prep I'm working on my draft guide which will be sent out to everyone that buys it on August 1st I'm just putting up the the last touches of the team by team breakdown you have a handcuff grid in that offensive line rankings my thoughts on every team players to avoid players to um to fade, pl- sorry, players to avoid, players to target. I mean, finishing up on that and then uh, diving into co- some college football prep, looking at some schedules. So I'm really gun ho football now since uh, NBA is done. It's crazy. 16 days and we're going to have a football game. We're going to have the Hall of Fame game in 16 days. When you think about it, that's astronomical to me, so.
0: We are coming up on the NFL season Very excited here Great time of the year To be talking uh, NFL We'll have it all for you here on That's What G Said Give us your plugs one more time Eric Uh, Etoff21sports And then uh, Etoff21sports What's the fantasy one? Uh,
1: one Etoff21sports on Twitter and Instagram Etoff21sports Underscore fantasy on Instagram Website um, Etoff21sports.com I will update the NBA spreadsheet and then, you know, that will be on there and then uh, just weigh in uh, podcast this week is going to be some NASCAR picks. Unfortunately, we didn't follow up a 35 to one winner two weeks ago with another winner. Christopher Bell finished second at 25 to one, which sucked, but it is what it is. Um, I'll be talking about Arlington. I went to Arlington again, kind of talking about there. I'm nice. Some Arlington picks. And then I'll probably do a little thing about who, what's next for the, phoenix suns what they'll do in the offseason everything like that
0: eric give him a follow uh we'll, uh we'll catch up with eric again uh probably next week we'll figure out if we uh if we can start maybe we'll start previewing some uh some nfl stuff and going through some fantasy stuff but uh, eric man thank you so much uh you know, there are a the reason why I love talking to you is because I know you're just you're a sicko like me when it comes to sports, gambling, to just watching everything. Um, you watch every day. It's not just the big games or the big moments. Um, you're gonna go back and rewatch. You're gonna read up, and you're gonna come. You know, make your numbers. And um, I, I just it's it's been such a blast over the last couple of years, man. And we really appreciate how much you helped us out all through the NBA season. So uh, uh, take a few days off. We'll we'll uh we'll uh, get you back here next week for some for something.
1: All right, sounds good, man. We'll talk soon.
0: Thanks so much, Eric. Uh, make sure to give him a follow. Check out that podcast. Follow on social media. He's been posting some videos over on a uh, Better Than Vegas too. So make sure to give him a subscription on there, and you can you can get a, anytime he posts some of his free plays over there. So do not go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more left on that's what geez. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the. DRF, the daily racing Form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized For on the go handicapping on your phone So you go to drf.com From your mobile device No additional cost Tap the calendar icon on the top left It opens all of the options for past performances And for the tools that are available One click to bet now and DRF bets Get real time odds And scratches on race day You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with, with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays, if you get the formulator version, and even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers, you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph, you can rotate your phone for the best view, and Any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines You can easily move from horse to horse The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances You get an interactive format Which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop Every card includes live data Updated instantly with those scratches And so you get the accessibility From desktop to phone Cross device functionality You can take your notes and save them From one device to the next And then access your account on any of Your devices On the go handicapping and wagering And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. We've been very lucky all year long to have Eric helping us out. Really sharp guy. Make sure to give him a follow there and uh, check out all the content that he puts out And we're going to transition over to horse racing now, and we got to let you know about all the great stuff happening with Stable Duel and Colonial Downs and the partnership over there. We're going to talk about Colonial in just a moment, and starting uh, just a couple days ago on Monday, July the 19th, we had a Colonial Downs opening day, 21-day summer meet, big purses each and every day, Stable Duel off. Offering multiple contests each and every day over there at uh, Colonial Um, So make sure to check out every day that you're playing those races from Colonial Check out Stable Duel And remember when you follow uh, at Stable Duel You'll get all of the uh, information for all the major contests coming up You can check out StableDuel.com and the blog To get updated as to any newsworthy events happening for Stable Duel And uh, if you follow me on social media, it's me, B. You'll get a lot of uh, updates as to everything happening in the uh, the world of stable duels So what's going to be happening on Wednesday? Some Colonial Downs action That's where we're going to head first Colonial Downs for Wednesday Get those past performances out And let's take a look at race number one here So I'm looking at Ballyhoo Prince And Ballyhoo Prince... Is a horse who's only raced on the grass three times And all of those races were actually Very good, one of them was behind Next Out winning uh, Food and Wine Uh, Another one was a runner-up effort Right here over this race uh, Over this turf course at Colonial And then most recently was at Pimlico When saving ground inside, traveling well Was sort of loaded, but nowhere to go And got room, but couldn't get to the wire-to-wire pace setter that day It was a, a solid effort And it was the first start since November And Ballyhoo Prince, in the last few starts You'll notice, race, then sent to the bench For a few months Race in November, uh, sent to the bench Comes back in July Now going to get the opportunity to put two starts together Key off those three turf races I think we're going to get a really good effort here From Ballyhoo Prince Who is to 4-1 on the morning line Anything around 3-1 to uh, feels fair On Ballyhoo Prince As we'll try to take a shot against the uh, First time starter Uncle Ken That's likely to get a a ton of money For Michael Stidham So Ballyhoo Prince to try to kick things off As we head to race number 4 at Colonial We got $5,000 claimers in here Non-winners of a race since January the 21st They'll go a mile and a 16th on the turf course The three uh, birds nest party Super logical, You're gonna go second start off The long long layoff, so I'd, I'd Think he's one you want to include in some of your Exotics the horse who I'm the most Interested in here though is Midnight Swap so He He fits the conditions of this race really well Because he just hasn't raced a lot lately And you know you look at horses who have Been beaten over and over recently And that's not the case for a horse like Midnight Swap you look back at his You know overall his turf form And the last time we saw him on the turf it was at Kentucky against much much tougher And he did what he Normally does he shows he showed a little bit of speed And then he faded Uh, prior to that we See a colonial win against 16 non Claimers going gate to wire I actually think based on where He's drawn in this field He could sit a little bit if he has To I don't think he's necessarily Just a need the lead and there are a couple others To the inside that might be going I think midnight swap forwardly placed In here Um, anything in the You know Six to one-ish range Feels really fair Use the three along with the seven In race four Let's move to uh, the seventh and the eighth A Couple more plays over at Colonial Four Wednesday July the 21st Oh, big shout out to uh, one I wanted to mention at the very beginning of the show But I, I just just forgot uh, The 20th uh, late, I'm recording this actually early on the 21st Late 20th 20th was my uh, parents' Gino and Carol, Mr. and Mrs. Bacola's wedding anniversary, number 36. I'm 34 so just a couple years before me and shout out to uh, shout out to them if you follow me on social media I posted some pictures on Twitter on uh, Facebook over on Instagram too so you can get a good look at what they uh, what they looked like uh, and he proposed and then they got uh, married and everything so uh, congrats to them and uh, let's see if we can say a uh, congrats to uh, to all of us for cashing a ticket here in uh, in race number seven and let's move to the 13 resident liberal they're going a mile in here. There is just not very much speed at all Who were we expecting to be on the lead? Not the one quick enough I mean the two, I guess, has a little speed in the repertoire We're talking about a horse who was in hurdle races Just two starts back Who knows exactly how much speed we're going to get there uh, Mine to hold? I don't know Big Rinny the four, got away Are you convinced that any of these horses are going to be forwardly placed? Uh, the six, the seven I mean maybe you'll get a little bit of Positional speed there, you know, toward you start to move towards the outside. The eight, Nina's patience. We're we gonna get speed there. I mean, maybe coming out of a five furlong race did show a little bit of speed. Going the mile, a couple starts back, so maybe in the the, the top flight, Freddie Soto, uh, Rum Bobby. Perhaps they want to get him a little bit more involved because they feel like it's a good spot for him. They're adding the blinkers too. Yeah, you know, then you get to Vincent Van Gogh He's coming out of a two mile hurdle race. Prior jumper are we convinced he's going to show That speed then we get to Paco with Resident liberal on the outside And We've at least Got an aggressive jock with a Marooned post To where they're they really you think he's, I don't know if he's going to want to try to sit From out there and get hooked wide it's just hey We might naturally be one Of the quicker in here we got an aggressive jock Let's just break and go And that is 13 resident Liberal 6 to 1 on the morning line anything around 4 to 1 or so uh feels fair to me in race number 7 as we move to the 8th I'm looking at the number 6 in here Lady Dominance who in her last two starts those are two of the better races um as far as you know she's coming out of compared to the rest of the field in here and she got squeezed back just after the the start She's kind of eighth towards the inside, about eight out of it. She actually started the move pretty well, and she she just ended up missing third. She just she needs a better beginning in here. The number six a lady dominance. She's six to one on the morning line. Anything around seven to two or so feels fair. So those are your colonial Wednesday plays. We've got the first the the three ballyhoo prince. We'd need around three to one in the fourth. The seven midnight swap we'll use with the uh, the three. Uh, we'd need a, at least five to one on uh, to play the seven individually. In the seventh race, the thirteen resident liberal. We don't want less than four to one there. And in the eighth race, the number six lady dominant six to one on the morning line. We had uh, this one packed, uh, pegged as more of like a seven to two shot. So anything in that vicinity is fine. That is colonial for Wednesday. Let's head over to Saratoga. Got a couple Saratoga Wednesday plays for you. Get those past performances out for July the twenty first. Let's go to race number three. Uh, we've got Maiden, $75,000 claimers in here, a mile in the 16th. I'm looking at the five. Peace be the journey. Peace be the journey for a barn who's very good. First start off the claim. This Philly debuted against Maiden, 50 claimers, going six for longs on the turf. She had a fine start. She was up close inside, she was in a bit tight. She was tucked in behind the, the pace setter And she got shuffled back She ended up losing a length on the inside She was buried, she finally got an opening late But the winner got a smooth trip on the outside Had built up that momentum Peace be the journey is now stretching out To a mile and a sixteenth Joelle decides to jump aboard here You might get this one right on the front end Or sitting very close to it Peace be the journey in race number 3 The number 5 Eight to one on the morning line. Uh, anything around five to one or so feels fair on Be The journey. Let's move to the fourth race. We have a a stakes race here. This is the Rick Violet. And I, I don't really know if this race is worth betting for me If I'm playing the early exotics It might be just a single of ready AP Drawn to the outside The filly facing the boys I love the draw with the, the speed to her inside I just think she has the opportunity To sit well uh, outside um, With size of orange. She was excellent I mean a lot of these uh, you, have, you have a couple who are super impressive And they're so lightly raced I, To me just the, the draw for her Is key in this one in the sixth race, we'll find the the next play for me. It's the two moaning matcha, <laughs> uh, morning matcha, step slow, and uh, in the debut, she was behind mainstay, and that was in the slop. Mainstay came back to finish second in the Skylerville Just a just expect a better beginning from this one. You get any better beginning, and it's just a whole different ball game for morning matcha. The, uh, the deuce In race number 6 5 to 1 on the morning line I'd need around 3 at the very least He wouldn't want to take less than that In the 7th I'm not sure if the 4 Is a win wager type for me 15 to 1 on the uh, morning line And I, I, would, I would have this one Pegged more like 10 Yeah he's just 1 for 20 But let's just kind of key off his last Few starts since changing Barnes What do we have uh, two turf sprints. One of them was a win. Another one was a loss to Our Destiny, who won back-to-back races. Then you stretch out, show speed, end up finishing third in a similar spot. Now you get, uh, you know, a jock upgrade. I thought the four was worthy of tossing in some exotics at the very least. In race number eight, a couple horses I'm looking at in here. Uh, both of them are, are pretty solid prices too So they might be both worthy of throwing in any kind of late uh, Rolling exotics that you have The 4 Alfalfa comes in And it's just been facing Open company Those turf sprints are fine at Arlington And at Indy the, This horse who actually has got a little bit of tactical Speed, but it's probably more of like A mid-pack to closing Type in a 5 for long, five and a long, 5.5 for a long Turf sprint Alfalfa will be on my tickets And then I think analyze this and that has shown the ability to, to flash really good speed. You're going to go third start off the long layoff. You're going to go back in with New York Breads, another one who could be set for a, a really good effort in here. I'll use the four and the seven and some of the late exotics, both of them are nice prices of 15 to one and uh, 10 to one on the morning line. And we get to the ninth race. A late exotics key for me would be the three highest honors playing against for the uh, Oro, who will get a lot of money, the grade three winner. Who's won three of his last four But he hasn't raced since November Highest honors has two starts Under his belt since coming off of his Long layoff and so he should Really be set for a good one He ran Just like he really needed the race back in April Then he came back in June he was close up And then he sat back in third Um, He was tracking off And he just loomed up pretty easily It was a good effort And that was in June, uh, June 20th He's had a month off now Plenty of time to recover from that. That is the number three highest honors. He's five to two on the morning line. I would play him like a, a late exotic single there or on top. So in the third race, the five, peace be the journey. I'd need around five to one. In the sixth, the two, uh, morning macho. We'd need around three. In the seventh, just in time for wine. I had this like a 10 to one shot. Um, So I guess that would be our our sort of a value line there In the 8th, more of just using the 4 and 7 in exotics And in the ninth, I would single the 3 highest honor in some of those late exotics So that is Saratoga for Wednesday, July the 21st We're going to get over to Saratoga for Thursday July the 22nd In just a moment But first we want to let you know About some folks that love the racing Over at Saratoga And that is the folks at Oldsmokeclothing.com Quality clothing and merchandise That horse racing fans will love uh, Rooted in the iconic symbols Of horse racing T-shirts, hats, hoodies, zip-ups Long sleeves With the names of famous races Trainers, slogans, racetracks They have Custom design capabilities It is A must see For horse racing fans There are not places like this Where it is wall to wall Horse racing stuff It's not like any place You can just walk in and and find You will have such a variety there And with the promo code GINO It'll get you free shipping on your order Promo code GINO Gets you free shipping on your order From OldSmokeClothing.com On to Thursday racing So flip those past performances To Thursday for Saratoga For July the 22nd And we'll go to race number 2 We've got Maiden 50 claimers in here 6 furlongs the distance I'm looking at the 7 recidivist from the outside So you're going to go drop in class for Kelly Breen Who's already had a nice start to the meet With a couple winners early on Um, This this one is coming into this barn for the first time And the, the Breen barn is excellent With new acquisitions What I like about Recidivist is Okay, you got the debut race at Turfway Which is good, showing speed and a solid Second. Then you come back And you're behind a horse named uh, uh, Shadow Matter, who won a non-two Allowance at Churchill next out with an 87 Buyer, then finished fourth in a stakes race At Colonial on Tuesday It was actually a nice start Um, and This one flashed some, Some positional speed that day And on paper, in this particular Field, it looks like Recidivist and point of humor are probably the two quickest here Now I love that that the 7 is drawn outside And so he, had, he can sit off if he has to But if they're not going that quick, then he can just go He's dropping in class Debuting for a, a barn who's good with new acquisitions Who's had a couple winners already at the meet Speed, in a race that doesn't seem to have all that much of it The number 7 in race number two, four to one on the morning line. I'd need around three or so uh to uh, to get involved there as we will move to race number eight. Uh I'll take a look at races uh eight and uh and ten. I'll just kind of give you a quick thought on the ninth. The eighth race, Mile and three ace on the inner turf. Let's go to Lagome I just who goes to the lead with her? Yeah, I mean she's not quite as classy as some of the others in here. But she's going third off the bench with an aggressive draw. Uh, aggressive jock. She's drawn well to get a nice start, crossover on the field. I think she takes him as far as she can go. Lagom. I need. I've got her more like a four to one shot in here. She, to me, she was a must use in all exotics. The ninth race looks chalky to me. Uh, Ice Princess would be a horse I would single in late exotics. I don't even need to get too cute in, in telling you why I would play a chalk horse and not to win but in rolling exotics I w- this is not a race where I would try to beat that one in the 10th race I do like the two orma who I feel like is more of a you know 3 to 4 to 1 shot here I had 7 to 2 pegged as the price I'm looking for if I want to make a win wager so last we saw her was on May the 7th she was in some traffic early and she took back to fifth uh She's in between horses in the second flight about four lengths off. She moved inside, but she got beat to a spot and she waited. She had to angle around three wide, a little bumping early in the stretch. It really wasn't bad at all and you get Saez jumping aboard again, which is I feel like every horse I've had over the the two Saratoga days was uh, a but you know, you get a good good position again from the inside. I don't think this is one that needs the lead. I think there are a couple others in here that are quicker than her and that should put her in a really good spot. You know, kind of tra- break well, and then kind of track right behind them from the inside. Hopefully, you don't get the shuffle back there. The number two Orma, six to one morning line. Think around seven to two, feels fair there. So the Thursday Saratoga plays. Looking at the second race, the seven, we'd need around three to one there. In the eighth race, the seven, we'd need around uh, seven to two there. And in the tenth race, the two Orma, yeah, same same price or so. Seven to two would be uh, the value line. So that is Thursday four. Saratoga We're going to head over and talk a little Woodbine For Thursday We've got a few Woodbine plays for you Get those past performances out For July the 22nd Woodbine, let's look at races 4, 5, and 6 As we uh, finish off The horse racing portion of this episode So in the 4th race We've got Maiden 15 Claimers uh, July the 22nd We're going 6 furlongs there I like the 8, Bear the Storm Who... She had a slowish start. She kind of moved from the back through traffic and then to the outside. It was a big, wide-sweeping bid all the way up to second in a big field. That was the first start from October to July. Now you're going to go second start off. She will have to, to try to, to have a little bit better of a beginning because this is only six furlongs now. She won't have quite as much time to try to make up for a, a bad start. But I I think there's some ability, and this is not the strongest field in the world. Nobody scares the heck out of you. I just need a, you know, a little better beginning from Bear the Storm. We need around five to one or so to get involved. As we move to race number five at Woodbine, maiden seventy five hundred dollar claimer, six and a half furlongs the distance. Let's flip it to the outside with Kurtz Angel, who in her debut she was a step slow and she got squeezed back on the inside. She got outrun a little bit in that sort of. You know furlongs 2 to furlong 4 range Then she started um, a really nice rally She started the roll She split horses She angles outside a Very good late energy That was going 5.5 So yeah now you get a little bit extra distance to work with And she doesn't have to be so slow And, and early on and, and so poor away from the gate Number 10 Kurtz Angel In race number Five at Woodbine on Thursday We move to the 6th at Woodbine On Thursday, July the 22nd I'm out to the 8 at Zia Mo Who adds the blinkers for her second career start She tries the synthetic And of course she's been working on it After debuting on the turf She got squeezed back a little bit after the start She was last uh, She was about 10 lengths off But she kept at the inside And she really got going late I thought she showed some nice energy And I mean, we don't know that she' just slow she kind of broke outwards and then she got squeezed now she adds the blinks that could give her a little bit more focus the number eight Zmo a lot of money is gonna go to the four Oziah and deservedly so Oziiah was only beaten a nose in the debut in that very same race um, that Zmo exits and Oziah beat Zmo by a few lengths it just the start really compromised ZMO, and I think with the with a better beginning, you'll get a little bit, uh, more value here, and, and perhaps this one can make up the difference. Let's lean to the eight ZMO will make a win wager at anything around four to one in race number six at Woodbine on Thursday. So your three Thursday Woodbine plays in the fourth race: the number eight Bear the Storm, eight to one on the morning line. We'd need five to make a win wager there. In the fifth, the number ten Kurtz Angel, uh, eight to one on the morning line. We're around six to one or so there. And in the sixth race, the number eight, ZMO, six to one morning line. Anything around four feels fair. That is Woodbine for Thursday. Good luck, Saratoga Wednesday, Thursday. Good luck, Colonial Wednesday. Good luck, Woodbine Thursday. Good luck with your stable dual stuff. Lots of blanketed best of lucks as uh, we get set for Loki. With Tim Kelly, before we do, remind you about SarahCandles.com C-E-R-A-Candles.com All natural soy wax candles free from those toxins, those carcinogens, those pollutants That are found in a lot of the other leading candle brands Promo code G-I-N-O will get you 10% off your purchase C-E-R-A-Candles.com Low key, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert Tim Kelly's going to join me and we're going to go over Everything that happened in episode 6 of Loki The season 1 finale We discuss how it all You know it uh, Comes after and and all of the Other MCU big moments That came before it Uh, What will be coming next The earlier episodes of Loki If you want to go back and listen to some of our other recaps We've got all of the Disney Marvel TV shows recapped So far we've got every episode of WandaVision every episode of the Falcon And the Winter Soldier and now every episode Of Loki with Tim Kelly helping us out Um, Tim and I Will go through the First 15 or 20 minutes with some, some Big picture thoughts and overall Things that stood out to us and then we do That deep dive where we go Scene by scene everything Happening in Loki Season 1, episode 6 A fantastic season of television Tim Kelly joins Loki season 1 is in the books We are here to recap, review, deep dive Episode 6, the season 1 finale And I can say season 1 finale Because we know there will be a season 2 of Loki So spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert If you've uh, made it this far Tim Kelly and I are going to go through everything that happened in Loki episode 6, scene by scene We're going to do some big picture thoughts at the beginning We'll talk about, you know, previous things that happened in other episodes How this ties into other previous Marvel, MCU movies, TV shows, future projects So we will hit on a little bit of everything Just an overall spoiler warning and uh, we finish off the show and we bring in our buddy once again, Tim Kelly, who's been with us to recap every episode of every Disney Plus show so far. So uh, I guess the first question I'll ask you, TK, three Disney Plus TV shows in the books now for Marvel, for the MCU. Of those three, where does Loki stack up for you?
2: Easy, easy answer. It's number one. Uh, and I, me I'm glad too. to. asked that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I remember I asked you that kind of midway through, and, and I think we both agreed that it was in the lead there. But the fact that it stuck the landing so well, yeah, uh, it it was just payoffs left and right. And then yeah, like you said, we get a second season to boot. So I'm I'm pretty thrilled about that.
0: And what was so great about this? Season of TV is um, We enjoyed, I sure enjoyed WandaVision, I thought it was it's So interesting and incredible what they were doing Falcon and the Winter Soldier It was a little more straightforward But I, I, I liked it a lot If you're going to stack them and rank them I probably found more things I could nitpick Into Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, WandaVision was very out there So maybe it, it wouldn't have hit for everyone Th- What makes Loki Really important um even if you didn't necessarily love it as much of the as the other two shows is that it really feels like this is going this is a show that has an um has introduced these huge new ideas the entire multiverse now dimensions really showing us what time travel is we've introduced a new big bad that we can expect to see in A bunch of movies and TV shows moving forward It just felt like this was more Important I want to say than the Other two shows as far as like what's To come and this entire world
2: Yeah it was impactful for sure I would say important impactful Um, And that Was the thing that uh, I was questioning Kind of going into this series with The other series especially Falcon uh, And Winter Soldier which felt very Kind of contained and um, You know we had our own issues with how that was maybe It was kind
0: but- of like a closure series right You're still kind of going backwards before you can kind of put a bow on it and move forward That's sort of what a lot yeah, of yeah. phase four was This kind of felt like the first time you're not only going back and revisiting our old friends But you're really moving forward
2: Yeah it set the stage for tons of things to come I mean it really uh, is a reset point in a lot of ways And a, a genesis point for really everything that they're planning to do coming up, I could see it tying into literally every single Marvel property. And that's a question also I was kind of thinking about, like what what properties coming up are going to be immune to uh, its effects or are or, or going to kind yes. of ignore the effects? Is, or is Shang-Chi going to play with this at all? Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what what about the other things that are coming up? Uh, obviously, Spider-Man and, and WandaVision and Ant-Man, or sorry, uh, Spider-Man and... Um, Doctor Strange. Uh, Doctor Strange and Ant-Man are going to... Tie into this or the, it would seem so but uh, Yeah what about the rest of the MCU Probably
0: there's a show What that. if coming up too yeah. Which is like literally it, it, Like follows This sort of template like what if Things happen just a little bit differently There's a scene where like Killmonger Saves Tony Stark and then just like How things were to branch off differently If if something diff- slightly different happens So um yeah that might be involved with with that moving forward we know that there's going to be a season 2 of Loki which they're saying is probably going to end up maybe leading into Ant-Man and uh so I think like late 2022 maybe early 2023 because I, I think Ant-Man and Quantumania is is pegged for like February 23 I think or, around there so um yeah.
2: yeah we knew uh that Kang was supposed to be the villain in that and that they yep. had cast Jonathan Majors already yep. for that. So and so when he
0: part. showed up on the screen, when those doors yeah. opened and he showed up, I smiled. I bet you a lot of people were, were doing the stand up. Like, if this would have been the theaters, they would have stood up right there and cheered because we were like, everybody was waiting for this reveal.
2: Yeah, it, w- it was fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's cool. These Disney Plus shows, I'm thinking even uh, Mandalorian this year, the, in, the, in the season finale, they, they brought a big character to really wow yeah. people and really change the game. So uh, yeah it, w- it was a very pleasant surprise A lot of people called it in one way or another um, We've been saying the word uh, The name Kang for, for a while And yeah, it turns out this is a, a variant Of Kang the Conqueror
0: And in very like Feige way He brings in Kang he, But he's, he's Kang And he's also He Who Remains Now in the comics they are two separate people He Who Remains was Basically the person who set up the TVA and he was kind of like like this nicest variant of uh, of King, uh, but he he was even more of like a kinder figure, not necessarily as much of like an evil figure. Um, but they've they've kind of done what they've done in a lot of these movies and shows, is where they've they've either combined ideas or taken a little bit from here, taken a little bit from here, and this is what you get. He never even says throughout the episode the actual word. King at any point, right. but he makes reference to being a conqueror in one of his <laughs> former variants, and and uh, yeah, this is no doubt him. And I gotta say, we we were there already. Um, and in, in a show where you have Tom Hiddleston being just incredible, Sophia Di Martino unbelievable, Owen oh, Wilson hilarious. We saw Richard E. Grant like Ravonna, uh Renslayer, who's played by uh, Gugu and Bada Raw. She is. Phenomenal she was in um, the morning Show and she's just become like really big And kind of hot the last couple years She's very buzzy as an actress in a lot of big stuff I gotta say man Majors just Jumped off the screen this entire Episode he stole This freaking episode This show and moving Forward I am so interested In seeing him back on my screen again TK he was a Psychopath but like Like a a glove you just he was so Magnetic you couldn't take your eyes Off him and and the craziest part About all of it is he didn't Even have much to do It was all exposition Almost everything we saw from him And he's just sitting at a desk But the way even the way he moves Around the desk he goes from sitting To standing he kind of walks at Loki and Sylvie then he kind of Sits on the desk in front of them And then he's kind of Turns his back to he, he just he's constantly moving and he's like a fidgety and you just yeah. he stole it man he was
2: incredible super eccentric in a very entertaining kind of way um i heard uh comparisons to willy wonka in terms yes. of you know performance the the overall energy and even just the dynamic of the offer that gets made
0: the joker uh, i heard a couple yeah. too you know like I could see like a Jim Carrey Joker even you know Like that was a movie the Batman That mo- that Batman movie was one that didn't get Very great reviews but Jim Carrey as the Joker actually got pretty good reviews Everybody thought he was one that kind of Stole it every time he was on the screen It kind of reminded me of this like He's crazy but he's he's So smart and you don't know If he's manipulating you if he's lying to you Is he telling you the truth you just have no clue
2: yeah, yeah, it's uh, you, you, yeah, you really can't tell if he's being upfront or sincere, <laughs> or if he's got some other agenda. But uh, there's a po- there's a point later on, I believe. Um, we'll, he we'll get to it later. But when he when he when he crosses the threshold, I thought that that was a oh, moment. Yeah. That was the, like his Emmy moment right there. Like, he flips. That
0: he it he goes that from out. being this guy that's like. Oozing confidence you know because he knows The way everything's going to play out so of course Like when you know the end of the story When you know what's going to happen It's it's a small tangent when I was working At uh, at islands um, This used to be back when the Laker games Would be simulcast when they were Playing on the road so like if the Lakers Were playing on the east coast or something um, And the the game would start normally At like 7 eastern 4 pacific The game wouldn't start on Kcal 9 until 5 o'clock because of like news and local stuff That they had So you if you were listening on the radio Or like watching on the computer or something You could tell that the Lakers game had already started And it was like an hour late From when they would start the broadcast So I, w- I went in one time to work And one of my buddies was there And he didn't know the game had started And it was, it was just coming on So I bet him that the, I, I was like I bet you the Lakers are going to be down by 20 at halftime He was like what? I said, yeah. I said exactly 20 you know, like not eighteen, not twenty-two, like exactly twenty. And if they're not down by twenty exactly, like you win. It's like, of course, I'm going to take that bet. What are you t- twenty exactly? You know how impossible that is. Of course, I knew they were down by twenty exactly, but it was funny. It just reminded just you can be so confident when you know what's coming, right?
2: Man, <laughs> <got a> <laughs> Loki in you, man, you're, you're, you're. <laughs> but
0: but what's great is that you know when it happened. We were watching the game and he's like no way You know as he's seeing it like happen and, and it's like it's getting to 16 and then to 18 and then it's 20 and then it stops And it's half time and he can't believe it he like walks Over to me with the $20 bill And I started laughing I was like no no dude I told him What I did and it was just and I told a few Other people on the staff and we were watching Him and laughing at him it was just more fun to Play the joke so maybe even I was Even more Loki because I didn't even want the money I was just messing with him glorious Purpose <laughs> As, uh, as uh, yeah yeah this i mean you mentioned this a little before what made this show versus the other shows and one thing that marvel has had a problem with even with a lot of their movies that and their projects that have been very well received is it's t- it's tough to end them because everything is such a continuous story you yeah. want to make sure that each kind of movie or show has a nice finish to it Sort of an end so that way if somebody Watches that thing stand alone It makes sense but you Also want to Be able to like start to Tease future things you want to have Storylines that continue on It's a tightrope that you have to Walk and so they've Not necessarily hit a home run With the way they've closed everything out I thought this show Did a very great Job at that because You feel At the end, like, I'm, like, gasping Like, getting in tears, watching Loki cry as he gets pushed back Into the TVA, but Then you see that he Has this new, like, a mission now Everything's changed, Mobius doesn't know who he is This felt like it gave me Somewhat of a conclusion that I Liked, but also teased Moving forward, we know there's a season Two, we know this is gonna connect to other Projects, I thought it did as well as It could have with that
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, uh Answered many, many of the questions that were raised. Uh, so we got some resolution there, but it also brought up all these new challenges and problems and, and reset the story in a way. We're going to be back to square one in, uh, in a sense, but things are going to be different this time. So I, I, I love that idea. I love that we're going to get to, Uh, retrace our steps a a little bit uh we're gonna get to have a little bit of a groundhog uh season almost uh in season two but i i um i think that the way that it affects the greater mcu is what's so awesome about this because they did do such a great self-contained story for loki they gave him such a great arc but they also you know Branched out into the entire MCU and created all these uh, bridges there uh, and these starting points for new stories. So, they, everything they really is on
0: play. play. And now everything is on the table in a good and bad way, right? Yeah. Everything, everyone can be brought back. Everything, everyone. We can instantly, if, and I don't think they'll do this, because uh, they even said, like with the Black Widow movie, spoiler alert, Tim and I are going to talk about that movie later this week, but I, you know, they didn't want to lean on You know necessarily The Captain Americas And the uh, Iron Mans And some of the the old guys That are the major Avengers And I don't know if they're gonna I don't know if we're gonna see You know you know Stark brought back to life Or Cap in, back in the picture In big ways And I think the whole point of Phase 4 and moving on is Was to introduce these new characters And, and have us get behind them And that's the point of Wanda Vision and Falcon in the Winter Soldier and 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 these shows but if they wanted to they could you know like it it's an option everything's an option Wanda finding your kids the X-Men now yeah. um you know, like any way they want to bring anything in to the mix we talked about Blade vampires all this stuff there's an avenue to bring everything in now with this multiverse
2: yeah absolutely and i think all the seating that they've done in these series with these new characters that they're introducing and in these new storylines, when we see those on the big screen as well, that's just going to pop that much more. Oh, yeah. That history behind it and these characters are already beloved. Uh, I think that's going to be, uh, it's going to make for some really interesting and cool moments in the theater.
0: So we know we've got a new big bad villain, Jonathan Majors, he who remains Kang, done a bunch of different variants. We'll see him moving forward. Um, A question that we want to ask About Loki too after where we see him At the end of this episode is How is he going to respond Loki just Loki just went all in This is it's like a you know when you're a guy And a lot of times you're in a relationship With a girl like you're growing up you're younger They tell you they want you to to let your guard down. They want you to go all in. They want you to be emotional with them and be sensitive and land so many guys or maybe girls or partners or whoever, you know, it's just always been like a guy stereotype through the years that they don't want to do that. They don't want to let themselves in. They don't want to let their guard down. They're afraid of getting hurt. And that's exactly what Loki his whole life has been. He's been really an ass. You know, he's been a manipulator, the god of mischief, but he's never really connected. And in this show, he connects with two people One on a Like romantic, emotional Level, and one as a really good friend That, you know, friend is, is discussed And by the end of this episode, he doesn't have either one of them His heart has been broken The person who He was on this, like, mission with Doesn't even know who he is And doesn't even know, like, about the Loki variants I wonder where he's going to be when we catch up with him again mentally,
2: where where Loki's going to be, man, yeah, he's going to be in a bad a bad place because, like you said, he opened himself up for the first time ever, <laughs> right? And, uh, he paid the price for it, you know. In in, in both cases, the good thing is uh, is that he has that knowledge that he can he can make a friendship with Mobius, right? Yes, so got, that's that, a great I, point that tether right there so he knows that mobius is is there and a good guy and he's just got to kind of uh reconnect to him and, and now it'll be almost like a role reversal because now loki knows more than mobius so he'll be kind of telling mobius all about like what's the yes. real deal is in the universe and uh mobius will be kind of having his own awakening
0: i'm thinking um fifty first dates with adam sandler you seen that you see, you've seen that every single day he's gotta like retell her the story of how they fell in love he puts the video on you know yeah. um yeah sort of sort of what loki's gonna have to do here he's gonna have to play that role to uh to tell Mobius everything that they've been through and uh and try to get him on uh, on the save wavelength so really setting up the t- using the t v shows now to set up the uh the future movies future projects ravona Renslayer big mm. big question still around her. We ask you know what's her Motivation she keeps just She she keeps talking about the cause there had To be some reason there has to be something More than this and then when we We find out obviously we see her When she was a, a principal in her that Previous life before she comes to the TVA before she's a, a variant And then last we see She leaves and she Walks through a, a portal and She says she's going to find free will So the interesting thing about uh, Ravona is is just how much and all of her ties to Kang the Conqueror in the comics And it'll be really interesting to see how big, what kind of way they're going to use that connection there Because like we said, we never know, we can't ever just use the, compli- the the comics as a template, which is great We don't want to be able to go look and, and see and just know how everything is going to be But I'm very curious um she was like Kang's love interest. Is there something there where she scorned him and now she was kind of trapped and and like having to be this this person who doesn't really know uh, you know, like kind of doing the bidding of Kang. Um so yeah, and is she someone that's going to eventually be good and make the full, you know, circle? She kind of teased three or four different times throughout the episode that she was about to have her like her good yeah. guy turn, her babyface turn, and then she'd make the heel turn back and forth. She's just been a tweener in uh, in my wrestling world over and over. So what what do you think? And uh and what are some of your thoughts about the way they portrayed uh Ravona and throughout and then in this
2: final episode? I actually have the most questions about her character. She's just so hard to pin down. Yep. Um I'm right there with you. I, I I I I don't know whether she's gonna go uh heel or babyface like you were saying. Um and she is tied to Kang in the in the comics, so she's going to play a large role. But, yeah, I do get that vibe that she's going to be an anti-hero uh, at some point down the line. Uh, I think when you when you ride this uh, the edge like this for so long, they always kind of steer toward the good in the end, I think. Yep. So I yeah. think that, uh, that's kind of where she's leading to it. She's just somebody who is a zealot. So she's she believes in something, and she's very tied to that. And in a way, that, that, that can be a very good thing. That can be like a noble quality to have. Um, it can be a virtue. But um, it can also lead you down very dark paths. And I think that that's what we've kind of seen from her right now. She's, she's so tied to um, her purpose in life that she can't, uh, she can't let go of that. But then I also am very confused in a way about that pen. That pen right. raised a lot of questions for me because – Was she aware of that? That was her own trophy. So she Mm -hmm. knew that she was variant all along? That's 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 really trips me.
0: It's very, um, uh, power broker still, right? Like at the end, I'm still asking so many questions about this. Is she a double agent, a triple agent? Like, what is she? What is what's right? What's going on here? I think she might be double crossed herself and she doesn't even know who she is at this point, you know, but, um,
2: and that's a great example too of kind of what I was thinking where when you have those tweeners they you kind of get the feeling they're going to go eventually good. yeah they'll just break bad a little
0: bit but then they'll get back to good exactly yeah <laughs> so uh, you know I I mentioned um Jonathan Majors but really have to again If you didn't like some of the storylines Throughout some of these shows Or maybe you you didn't like Some of the writing in the script Or I don't know, whatever it is I don't think you can pinpoint one actor In any of these shows And heck, even Black Widow that I was just watching earlier And and really say that like They gave a mail-it-in performance Or that they weren't Excellent in their role And I mean, from Hiddleston to Sofia Martino, To Owen Wilson To Jonathan Majors To Richard E. Grant To freaking Alligator Loki And Miss Minutes it's, <laughs> You know, Gugu Badara, yeah. All were
2: just phenomenal in this show Absolutely uh, You could say that about The whole MCU, I, I would say I, I think they, so too They, they, they cast these uh, movies And uh, television shows so well I can't think of one where I'm like, nah, that was a that was a and, a bad fit. And then uh, they I, write to fit
0: the personality too, right? They make everything a little bit fun. They have some they won't they're not afraid of making fun of themselves. They don't take anything too seriously, even in the most serious of moments. And so it feels like you can I just get a feeling that these writers when they have so oh you know what like it's uh Evans or it's Hemsworth or whoever it is like they kind of figure out a little bit about that person they write things that same that come out a little true to their voice like when Loki says stuff it just like you feel like oh yeah that's a Hiddleston thing there were so many like Owen Wilson-y lines you know that Mobius said that were like oh that's a they know that Owen Wilson's gonna hit that that, uh, they just they put people in places to succeed too
2: yeah, definitely. Uh, they they know how to place people in the right roles at the right time uh, and and play to their strengths, for sure. And I love it when uh, writers, and this happens a lot with TV, but when there's a character, writers or an actor playing a character, writers will start writing to that. But I, I read an anecdote recently about Black Widow uh, that Florence Pooh has this great line, or this great kind of like recurring joke where she's kind of making fun of uh, uh, um, the pose, Natasha. the pose, yeah, right? And the pose, yes, yes. And apparently, that was uh, something that she was just doing uh, behind the scenes a little bit. And they added it, ripped, in. And yeah. Film, and it ended up being one of the most memorable parts. So I thought that was really cool. So I guess they're doing that all the time, which is uh, I, I think great. That's how you get really human. Real uh, natural And authentic uh, moments on film You know from m- improvisations And you know writing for Like real people like that
0: Absolutely and, and especially in This sense right like These people aren't playing Like I mean and they're doing Serious and they're doing Like powerful we talk about Think about like, the range that they've had to show In some of these TV shows and stuff but we're not Talking about somebody like doing A like a A piece like a war piece Or something that's like really Really serious Where it has to be done this particular Way they can have fun with these things And they have and that's what's so Great with them like they don't feel Like like hunkered down To have to. it has to be this way or it has To be rigid that's sometimes where Um Warner Brothers Has gotten into a little bit of trouble where they've tried to be Too serious I think Some of the things that I love the most about The the Uh, The Batman movies with with Bale Were you know he was serious but he would still Be funny too you know you can't Be so serious like you you have To have some humor and this Was just such a great show Such a great combination I thought they did a Fantastic job putting everything together And we will get Into our uh, Deep dive scene by scene Of the final episode of Loki so we'll hit on a, a bunch of other stuff As we get into it but the way this episode started TK We get the like the MCU opening And we're getting these sounds and noises um, As it leads right into the Marvel Studios title With the Loki colors And then we're like traveling through the solar system And we get these big lines from Marvel characters and from big MCU movies, we've get Sam and Black Panther and Ant Man and Thor and uh, Captain America and uh, 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 Captain Marvel, Loki, Kong, uh, Kong. Then all of a sudden, we hear a baby Loki crying. So it's like we're going through this trip through space, we're seeing wormholes, incredible visuals of these blues, these purples as we hear, you know, all these different voices, we're seeing time and multiple timelines and then we see a big ring around where uh, Sylvie and Loki are headed. It, it looks like, you know, the ring around a planet would look and it's the sacred timeline. And uh, Sylvie and Loki stand outside the citadel and then the Loki title comes up. We hear the baby Loki crying, and then we get first it's the Marvel characters, and then we get all of these like real people throughout history. We get yeah. Alan Watts, who's a philosopher. Just, we think time. We think of time as a one-way motion. Mm-hmm. Neil Armstrong, one small step for man. Now we're moving like out of the galaxy. Greta Thunberg, um, yeah. you know oh. at different. <laughs> right activist Nelson Mandela goes through we actually hear classic loki glorious purpose and then uh we get vision what is grief if not love persevering maya angelou i will rise i mean this these little montages they kind of give you goosebumps they do these things really well and when you you know you hear it and watch it, it goes by really quick but like in in recapping it and kind of stopping and doing my notes, it's just it's really, really amazing how many little feet like extra features they put into everything.
2: Yeah, the details are tremendous and the scope is massive for this. It immediately sets that stage uh, where you're uh, in a state of wonder, I think uh, It's just uh, the production value also absolutely nice. uh, blew me away. And it, it sets that tone right away that, Oh, we're going big. This is the finale. It's big time here. And it, it almost, um, goes against what we end up getting here. We get really high stakes and everything, but we, we get brought into, you know, almost just a room. Yeah. The guy
0: for like most that. of the episode.
2: Yeah. But, yeah. but still, it still feels big and sweeping and, uh, and, Grand in scope.
0: So they get to the door of the Citadel and it looks incredible. Like, think about all the sort of like evil castle kind of places you've ever seen. This has got a very Lord of the Ringsy feel. It's got a, uh, it, it sort of looks like um, the the place in Mortal Kombat, too, the first one, uh, like a, one of the big towers where like Goro is and they, the caves. And, um, and Sylvie gets to the door and she says, Aren't you going to tell me not to kick the door in (laughs) And he uh Loki said it never made a difference And she says well if you think it's a bad idea I prefer you to speak your mind And he says no nothing to say And she says that'll be a first She's stalling You know it's like this reminds me of of A scene in a movie when you see somebody Going to like reconnect with their family For the first time or their mom or their dad Who they haven't seen forever A, f- a parent that left them And like they want to go talk to them They want to go approach them They know it's what they have to do Because this is what their whole life has been building to But then they get there and it's like Oh, it's now? She She needs a few yeah. seconds and she literally says that Like, hey,
2: you know what? I need a second to get my head straight yeah, her whole life's been building to this Like, literally, that's been her one glorious purpose And the stakes couldn't be higher for her personally
0: So they have the, the funny little back and forth here Where, um, you know, Loki's just Hey, no, I'm not, I'm not saying anything here You know, he's in a, it's just you normally want to And she's like, shut up, shut up I was pruned before you even existed I've been waiting my whole life for this I just need a second to get my head straight And she takes a deep breath She gets ready And, uh, and the door's open And then Sylvia and Loki, they walk in They look around and it's just dark Inside of a castle It almost, you know what this place I couldn't think of it until right now It it reminds me of like the Beauty and the Beast castle Like the dark The dark parts of it, you know Because it's very, it's like uh, It's, and and when you get into the Like the chambers And then the, like his office uh, He who remains office It's very like old and dungy But it's it's like a nice Place that was once a nice place. It's big, it's grand, it's just dark and dreary. And there's an old you know, little library and books all around. It kind of looks almost like an old like museum e yeah. kind of place inside of it.
2: And yeah, so there, it's got. Go ahead. Yeah. It's got like a cathedral kind of a look to it as yes. well. I love the, the windows on it, um, which almost form like a face behind. uh yeah. a in the eventual room that we get to, there's like this uh, face almost behind um, uh, He Who Remains. But I, I also love the the design here. Uh, they use something that's similar to a uh, kintsugi, I think it's called. And it's a Japanese art of putting broken pottery pieces uh, back together with gold. Um, so you see in the structure all these like cracks that seem to be like fused with this like glowing yes. look to it. And that that's also seen on... Um, his futuristic, uh, he who remains futuristic kind of tempad. He's got this, yes, advanced.
0: that design that like cracking.
2: And I think that's really cool. It's almost like representing the age of the place that it's been blown apart, that it's been rotting or falling apart, but then, re- you know, repaired, uh, that maybe it survived some type of a battle, uh, but that it's, it's also almost bursting or glowing with this energy. It, it, it emanates power as well. And I just thought that was a really cool uh, little detail that they added there. Yeah, and
0: almost like the timeline too, sort of like getting ready to branch, getting ready to split, like almost sort of like breaking and cracking off, and he's trying to keep it all together in that one circle. Um, so yeah, he's
2: keeping it all contained. That's a perfect metaphor. Yeah, he,
0: they they kind of like tiptoe around, and they're looking around because it's quiet, it's dark. And then all of a sudden, hey y'all! Howdy, howdy how it's Miss Minutes. She <laughs> scares the shit out of me, man. And every like I just jumped. Cause you're just following Loki and Sylvie as they look around, and you're kind of like your eyes are kind of their eyes as they're looking up and looking around. And then boom, it's Miss Minutes. She just pops up right in front of you. And and uh, <laughs> Sylvie says, You again, and she says, Welcome to the Citadel at the end of time. Congratulations, y'all had an awfully long journey to get here He's impressed They asked, who's impressed? He who remains And who is he? Important here from Miss Minutes He created all and he controls all At the end it is only he who remains And he wants to offer you all a deal He's been making a few creative adjustments And he's worked it out so we can reinsert both of you all Back into the timeline in a way that won't disrupt things Sylvie asks, w- won't disrupt things? She says, mm-hmm. The TVA can keep doing its vital work, and you all can live the lives you've always wanted. Loki asks, what, what lives have we always wanted? Now, don't play coy with me. You know how you got into this mess. The Battle of New York, silly. You versus those self-righteous Avengers. How would you like to win? But not just there. You can kill Thanos. You want the Infinity Gauntlet? Yours. The Throne of Asgard? No problem. And she turns to Sylvie. What about you, Missy? All those years on the run? Desperate? Alone? How would you like to wake up tomorrow with just a lifetime of happy memories? I mean, Tim, this is literally the devil (laughs) tempting you here.
2: 100%. Yeah. There's even um, a little bit later we see when we're introduced to He Who Remains. He's holding an apple in his hand. The forbidden (laughs) fruit Knowledge you know And there's
0: so much Adam and Eve feel with these two right Like going into this place They're like exploring It's like they're the, the Trying to be like the creators really of this new world There's a lot of Adam and Eve parallels for these two
2: Oh absolutely Loki's Adam and Sylvie's Eve in, in this scenario right here even down to like the ultimate decisions that they they make here it's like Sylvie's the one that wants to, to bite the apple
0: absolutely uh, and Loki wants to kind of do the, the what's for the greater good even down to like they're a, like Sylvie is a part of Loki she's a variant of his she was literally like taken and made from him sort of you know so uh, yeah a lot lot of uh, similarities Okay so Miss Minutes goes on here Um Two Lokis in the same place And Loki Mm -hmm. asks so both of us Together on the timeline She says it's crazy but he could make it Work all of it everything Exactly the way you've always wanted And you can have it all together And so Loki's really taking this in Could you imagine if you're Loki This is every single thing you've Ever wanted and this in in just a moment, in a sentence, she's offered it to you all right here, and he's seen the scope of the power of the TVA and everything. He he knows that that this is probably possible. He just has he doesn't know if he can trust Miss Minutes, and that's sort of where Sylvie is. Is she's kind of really thinking about it. She and she looks like she's gonna cry, uh, and she does like a great job all throughout. Really, because. This is her life's journey. She's here. What is next? What is she going to do? What is she supposed to do? This is what she's built everything towards. You get to this point and it's like you're waiting for the climax here and so she's like like overwhelmed with with emotion all throughout this episode as she's, you know, taking this all in, figuring it all out, but she responds, "Tim, it's fiction." Loki says, "We write our own destiny now." Miss minutes says oh sure you do good luck with that and she disappears so they don't take the bait they don't bite the apple there it's just a little bit later when um sylvie has to kind of stray but they uh i guess it's like one of the first temptations that they uh they they were able to turn down here
2: yeah and it's interesting um I think just because Loki's already gone through the whole process of seeing the Infinity Stones and how they're worthless, and just seeing that it's all been kind of a ruse, like the throne of Asgard, all that stuff that he wanted before, it's meaningless to him now. Yes, uh, because it's the real power is what's in front of him right now, anyway. Yes. Um, so it, it everything that he cared about before is just meaningless, and uh, that doesn't really have the weight that it did. Although you, I you. Still see it on his face that mm-hmm. he's tempted, and he, he's almost overwhelmed in this moment by this this offer because it is everything he ever wanted.
0: So we go back to the TVA, and Ravona is in her office as her temp pad is downloading information, and Miss Minutes pops up. Hey there! So I th- this was kind of important, um, at least early on, because um, Miss Minutes um, says sorry. Some things had to get worked out, but I'm downloading the files you need now because Ravona said, "What took you so long?" So we. One, we got a, a little bit of information here that Miss Minutes can't be in two places at once. You know, which she went literally from one place to here. That's why she was late. She was over at the Citadel with the uh, with Loki and with Sylvie. So for a lot of people who's kind of I um you know thoughts were that Miss Minutes was maybe a, the big bad or that she was really something here, I um I kind of got the feeling here right away. Okay, you know. Is especially when Miss Minutes popped up at the very beginning, it was like, oh crap, Miss Minutes? That was like the first thing you <laughs> see when they walk in the Citadel. It was like, oh my gosh, people were right. It was Miss Minutes. And then, you know, you find out quickly that it, and it's not her. Um, but she is uh, telling Ravona that, uh, yeah, some things worked out. I'm downloading the files you need. Ravona says, this isn't what I asked for. Miss Minutes responds, I know, but he thinks this will be more useful. Important here. As Ravona asks who So she doesn't know Or at least wait that's what we see here That she doesn't know Miss Minutes yeah. says happy reading And then Miss Minutes leaves So just a quick check in with Ravona, But they just love to throw us off of her scent In like every scene that she's in Because here now you're kind of Feeling a little bit for her You're going okay she's just Like you said Sort of a, a zealot but she's She's a soldier that's obviously Getting lied to she's just trying to do Her job she's been You know loyal and faithful to this place For a while and she doesn't even know who she's being Loyal and faithful to so you kind of You kind of feel a little empathetic for her here
2: Yeah she's kind of rudderless Right now she, yes. she you know she, She's had this purpose all Throughout but then you know the rug's been pulled out From under her uh, and so She's searching to kind of re, re, Regain that stability uh, and, and, uh, forward momentum sort of. So she, she wants answers at this point and that's really all that she needs. But I think that the dynamic here with Miss Minutes coming in and kind of just laying this information at her kind of, it kind of clues us in that there, that Kang is probably going to have a connection with her down the line. I mm-hmm. think that makes it more obvious, like She's going to start working for Kang in some way Or some variant of Kang Or in yeah. this case it's who remains uh, So I do think that she She's still on the fence at this point uh, And a lot of that is because She just doesn't know what's going on fully
0: Business is about to pick up We head back to the Citadel Sylvie and Loki are slowly kind of Walking through still They're kind of creeping around They're looking all over They're looking for clues They're looking for he who remains As Loki says, He who remains, and they kind of look for him, and Sylvie says, Not for much longer. And they're looking around uh, a room that kind of dusty statues and structures all over it, almost like a museum, very dark and dingy. And then the door opens, and boom, it's Jonathan Majors just sitting there, and he's got a big grin on his face. He pops up and He has an apple and he just Steals this freaking show he's So insane like a split personality He chuckles He says this is wild The two of you same person I mean it's a little Unnatural but wow wild He's just bouncing Off the screen Sylvie says he Who remains he starts Chewing on the apple Uh, he answers She still calls me that It's creepy right but I like It come on let's talk in my office Not what you were expecting huh As they get in an elevator And Loki says you're just a man And I'll I'll Refer to him as Kang or he Who remains both um, um, He says "Mm, Flesh and blood Don't tell me I'm a disappointment And Sylvie says no Just a little bit easier to kill So she lunges at him Trying to stab him But remember he he can time travel He's got the time twister device He's wearing it like a watch So he's a step ahead of her He's bouncing all around as she tries to lunge at him He's always one step ahead of her And he's kind of laughing as, uh, as she's frustrated and grunting and, and tried to figure it out And he's bouncing all around And now the elevator door's open And, and there he is Now he's out front of the elevator The, the thing that you notice about him from the beginning and I'm glad that you pinpointed early on in the episode, uh, early on when we started our recap, the moment in the episode when everything he knows runs out, yeah. and he and he flips because right here he's so confident because he knows everything, he knows what's going to happen, he's got the time twister device, he can bounce all around, he's chewing his apple. I even thought it was interest, it's like interesting because in the elevator he totally just stands back to them, he's not worried at all, like he leaves himself wide open. To be stabbed or You know whatever because he knows he can Always get ahead of them he just He's oozing confidence And and then that that confidence flips In a little bit but man he Jumps off and And now they uh, they exit the elevator And they go into his little office Here so our first interaction to him Tim he's Mm -hmm. Just
2: magnetic Absolutely Um, and I thought Interesting so many scenes in elevators. Uh, I, I wonder what, I know. what the metaphor or purpose for that is. But, you know, that was a big aspect of the TVA. And now we have elevators here as well. I wonder what the significance of that is. Maybe the idea that there's different levels stacked on top of each other. That represents, you know, the multiverse uh, in a way. But um, I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, he is absolutely magnetic. And I think one cool thing about the way he plays it is that, uh, he plays it kind of bored, like he's bored with what happens because he's he's uh, he's seen it all before millions yes. of time, times over. So he plays so much. That's why he's playing so much, because like he's trying to have fun with something that he's like experienced and seen a million times before. The only thing that can entertain himself is like what he does, I think, at, at that yep. moment. Yeah. Um, living through this this. And it's unclear to me exactly how that works. My understanding is that he's like super old and that he's he's seen this all before but I, that's still a little bit confusing how that how exactly that makes sense. Um but yeah, he does a great job of being this en- enigmatic figure, this Willy Wonka type guy where he's got this It's the same thing too. He wants them to take over, right? So it it is very comparable to like
0: when the kids come to Willy Wonka, you know, yeah. he, he he's forward. trying to who, who survives and who can make it? Can Charlie Bucket finally be the one, you know, to get through? Sylvie and Loki were the toughest of the variants to make it through there. So they're the ones that get all the chocolate, you know?
2: Exactly. Yeah. It, <laughs> I never was... thought my life would be <laughs> – no, go ahead. <laughs> he just makes it, it – he, he made it a lot of fun, and he he made it a, a somehow – Grounded performance, uh, despite it being this, you know, otherworldly entity that he was portraying. You know, he, he's a god. Uh, and I was thinking about the idea of how powerful this character would be that they're setting up here. He remains Kang, whatever you want to uh, call it. But like we've already established, you know, the big bad up until this point was Thanos. and He was so much more powerful than all of our heroes individually uh, in the MCU. Uh, And this guy's 50 times powerful than Thanos. Magnitudes. magnitudes more power. Because remember, the Infinity Stones are nothing. They're worth it. So, like, the the stakes moving forward are going to be so massive. They're going to require this, something even bigger than what we saw in Endgame. You know, that massive... Uh, a Assembly of like literally every character We've seen it's gonna I think It's setting the stakes for something even bigger Than that a couple
0: years down the line we have To go back and get everybody from all the Multiverse you know and team them all up again Yeah you're right that's yeah. That's where we'll get as uh, They walk into the uh, The old looking room dark Dingy got a bookshelf a fireplace All over and King, King he who Remains calmly walks over to his desk Pours a drink As Loki and Sylvie are kind of still, they're walking around slowly. Their eyes are on him, weapons raised, kind of just looking around too, making sure there there's nothing there, no one's going about to pop out. He gives them a drink as they sit. He knows it's funny to two sugars. He pours it. He knows like what they would take in their drink, in their tea and stuff, you know, and hands it right to them. And Loki and Sylvie, they've got their daggers out, facing, and then we cut back. And we head back to the TVA and um, Mobius walks in But before we do, we kind of mentioned it a little bit um, The look of his office and the feel of uh, of Kang here Just kind of in his, his quarters When he sits down too, you can, his head is kind of like in the middle There's like a circle around his head And then behind him you can see the big ring of the sacred timeline um, the visuals in this episode, and then every time we went back to seeing like the timeline with the wormholes and the blues and the purples, and um, this felt very much like a big budget movie. Some of these episodes, when we saw, like we got to look at this.
2: Absolutely, I was very pleased. You know, throughout this whole series with the 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 special effects and the the level of, of the production value, I think I had one episode on Lamentis where I kind of took a little bit of issue with some of the compositing that had been done there, but even that has some just wow moments uh, and big special, big high budget special effects stuff. And then this uh, episode continues that with you know, a kind of a bottle episode, much of it's like, like I said earlier, like in this room, but still production design is so intricate and detailed and the little, um, very detailed Effects that are going on in the background With the time stream around them and, and everything, and even down to the music If you listen throughout their Conversations here, there's really Sweeping um, Music that's keeping the energy Up throughout this whole episode And keeping the stakes t- feeling as High as they are
0: We head back to the TVA, and Mobius Walks in to Ravona's And he's got a weapon, he wants to prune her uh, He knocks on the door, she says I wasn't to be disturbed and she, he says you're not going to be happy to see me He's back <laughs> and, uh, She said if anyone's ever going to make it back from the void I, I suppose it was going to be you He says oh another one man's void Is another man's piece of cake uh, She asks, so you're going to prune me He said I like that idea But you know my standards might be a little higher than that area In that area than yours You know with close personal friends She apologizes I'm sorry Mobius I couldn't let you get in the way Of our mission Mission the timekeepers are fake Mobius reminds we're all variants What mission This is when she gets real Sort of it can't have been for nothing That's why I had to prune you And she takes her radio 100d90 to my office immediately Mobius says yeah sorry Ravona. That's not going to work out the way you think it is Now that we know your secret She says what do you what did you do So the First of a, a couple of uh, interactions that we see with uh, With Mobius and with Ravona Here and um, He is He's let her know that He has informed Other people the other agents The other hunters at the TVA What's really up so Ravona Doesn't have she doesn't have any power Anymore <laughs> yeah. he's got Her temp pad he, he's got the Weapon with the the ability to prune her and and yeah. like her minions and her soldiers they're not even going to follow her
2: anymore. Yeah, her authority's been totally undermined. And I mean people people don't uh believe in the cause anymore. And that's what she was serving this whole time, the cause. And now she's just looking for something to um to reinforce uh the cause that she was serving to to like to make it justifiable, you know?
0: We now flash to Fremont, Ohio In 2018 We see Hunter B-15 As she's traveled there Other TVA hunters are looking for her But B-15 runs into an office In is what's a school In Fremont, Ohio And looks like the principal's office um, We hear Hunter U-92 Who's looking for her Stay alert, she's close, secure the perimeter oh, I've got her And then he walks into the office where she is He says, stand down B-15 and she says, You need to listen to me. And says, No, there'll be time for that. He wants to take her back into the TVA. Hunter B fifteen says, just wait. And that's when we see Ravona walk in. But it's not Ravona. Because uh Hunter U ninety two says Judge Renslayer to her. And who we think is Ravona says, What? Who are you? And what the hell are you doing in my school? I believe the name on uh, the wall on the back that says that she graduated from Ohio State University said Rebecca Torminet. So that's the name of Ravona. Her real name is Rebecca Torminet in her real life. This is who she was. She was a principal. So Hunter B15, she knew the best way to try to explain to the others what's really going on was to show them and show them that Ravona exists somewhere else before the TVA. To let them know they're all variants Ravona was a variant They are all variants They all have past lives, past memories So you know what, sometimes you can explain it to them I always like making uh, real world references to things Again, right, your friend uh, Someone that you care about, you love They're being cheated on by uh, their spouse Their significant other It's such a weird situation, right You tell them they don't want to believe you 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 don't want to be the one to tell them What's the best way is maybe letting them See what's happening if they were to see it If you knew that they were going to be at a place And they could see it happening Then it sort of like you know You you, you don't have to worry about that whole No no it's denial and everything That's that's what 100B15 is doing here No denial no way they can den- They can say oh, oh, oh. They saw right with their own eyes that um Everything they've been Living is a lie
2: Yeah seeing is believing Right so no um Killed a messenger here. We now
0: flash back to uh, Kang's office. Before they do, he um, you know, B fifteen says this isn't Jun John Red Jun's Red Slayer, and Hunter U ninety two is very confused. So Hunter B fifteen says we have a lot to talk about, as she, you know, lets them know. Back to Kang's office with Loki and with Sylvie. And he says, It's been a long journey for you, hasn't it? A lot of running, a lot of pain. Look As he looks at Loki And then he looks to Sylvie And you, you're a flea on the back of a dragon in for one hell of a ride But you did manage to hang on Mm Mm-hmm, I guess that counts for something And Loki says I'm not sure you quite understand the situation You've lost We found you (laughs) He says, of course you did, duh And then Sylvie Jumps up, she swings her dagger at King Again, who just Kind of flashes through time to disappear, reappear, and he's kind of laughing at her. Whoa, a swing and a miss. He's like mocking her as she keeps lunging at him. And Sylvie's getting getting pretty upset. Um so we so we're still doing that. Hmm. Let's get this <laughs> out of the way. And he goes and he gets some books, and he takes a couple pages out of the books that have stuff written out, and it's a script of everything that was just said. And things that will be said It was almost like you know in the TVA When Loki had to sign Here's a list of everything you've ever said You know and then he says it a couple more and they print it out But this actually has The future and That's when Kang lets him know you can't Kill me because I already Know what's going to happen See he Shows them so Sylvie's Still trying to kill this guy Loki is really trying To take this all in like you could tell that they're both on two different wavelengths When they're sitting here because Sylvie's not even really listening She's so fixated on her plan She's right here She's just right in front of her How's she gonna kill this guy Loki is actually being the level-headed person here And taking in everything that that he who remains is same.
2: Yeah, uh and I guess it comes down to that's just been her glorious purpose this whole time like mm-hmm. she just can't get over that she's just got to find this guy and kill him because he's the guy that's behind you know all this suffering that I've been through in my whole life uh, but Loki's at I guess just the right place in his uh, uh, development in his journey mm-hmm. here progression yeah and uh, without ego really just kind of just listen to it and try to make the best decision he's kind of fully formed as this like hero incarnation of of Loki by this episode.
0: So Loki says it's a Paul it's a parlor trick. And he says, Okay, do you you wonder how I'm able to get out of the way just before you kill me? And so he says, no, it's because of that temp pad. He who remains says, Yeah, but how do I already have it loaded up with everything I need to know from being killed by you two? It's easy. I know it all and I've seen it all. Then he goes and this is one thing you mentioned um, throughout this episode, and it's been one thing. It's hard in shows or movies where you're introducing these news I- new ideas when you're going to have a lot of exposition. You have to make sure it's entertaining. And while he's telling yeah. us all of this, it's just almost like what Miss Minutes was telling us in the first episode in that video that we laughed at because it reminds us of Jurassic Park, and you know, and right. this this is just a. A good entertaining way And you have this really entertaining character A new character that a lot of people Are going to be glued to their seat to see And you have him give us all this Important information and then as he Does it you know in a little while We see these figurines come up On the desk as he's talking and It's different ways of making What could be like a lot of information And sometimes hard to digest It makes it a lot more digestible when it's in this Fun entertaining way
2: yeah, it's visual and it adds um, uh, just a cool element to it, like a fun aspect to it. You know, we're seeing some technology on the screen that he's using. And it also adds to the um, idea that he's this advanced uh, character. He's using this advanced technology um, from from what we know about his origins. He's from the future. Uh, he's Nathaniel Richards, who is a descendant of actually read richards of the fantastic four in the comics Mm -hmm. so he's he has access to all this future tech um i guess he 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 has access to pretty much anything from all of time so he would Uh, but it's just a cool fun thing to kind of chew on when uh uh, like we said earlier like it's like that spoonful of sugar helping that medicine go down the medicine being the the exposition there and yeah the Again, they just figure out a way to to do it and make it fun and not really feel like a cheap moment at all. It feels kind of rewarding too, yeah. and it also has added layer that it's like we're we're seeing the same story told again from like a different a narrative perspective like originally we saw the story told from the narrative that the t v a was pushing. And then uh, there was a bit of an unreliable narrator there And then now we're getting that again But we're getting it through the filter of of this new character, he who remains And it also could be his own unreliable narrator uh, He might not be as benevolent uh, as he is uh, suggesting Pretending to be,
0: yeah, yeah So he sits in his desk while Loki and Sylvie stand across from him He says, everything you guys did on Lamentus, I saw All of the stuff the TVA didn't know about I knew All of the scheming, all the talking and he says that little look by the lake And when he says that Loki and Sylvie look at each other You know they, they look back at each other It's just little things like that in, um, in acting when you see that are Perfect they just add It's so great it's not a big deal But it's just that little look by the lake And then bump they turn and look at each other He says quite sentimental Very touching stuff by the way and Sylvie says no No we broke out of your little game That's how we got here And he says, no, wrong Every step you took to get here Lamentis, the void, I paved the road You just walked down it And I have the rest right here Everything that's gonna happen, there's only one way That this can go So Sylvie asks, then why are we here? This next line Is amazing Because it's such a It's such a corny, like of course this is why, because this happens in every movie It's the journey, you know It's You can't get to the end until you've been changed by the journey This stuff, it needs to happen To get us all in the right mindset To finish the quest It's He's just mocking them And, like, mocking the superhero movies And just, like, movies in general With, like, a hero's journey But it's yeah. it's great that that they have so much confidence In him as a character And in general for them to, like Slap us all in the face like this and be like Yeah, you know the movies that you're watching right now That we've made like 50 of And we're going to make 50 million more of these movies and TV shows Ha ha, hero's journey, ha 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 But they're like mock, you know They're laughing at us, but we love it
2: Yeah, I mean uh, And the the hero's journey is something that's just there You know, like it's something that Like Joseph Campbell found that had already been existing Mm -hmm. And he kind of like pointed at the, the parts That make up these stories So it's just like It's almost like the multiverse in a way, like like the multiverse just kind of exists and uh, it exists because it it, it has been that way. Uh, uh, I was thinking about how time travel is kind of the thing that makes it all possible. Like that's why branches happen in the multiverse uh, because of time travel. Without that, it really doesn't exist. But then like it's kind of that creates kind of a chicken or the egg thing. So it's just it's just the way it is. Right there so like um, yeah they can make fun Of it or whatever Uh, But it is uh, it's just an essential Part of like the the fabric Of uh, storytelling And how we how we appreciate them And how we tell stories
0: So Loki uh, he's like shaking His head so it's all a game it's all A manipulation he who Remains says it's interesting that your Head would go to that And then he says Sylvie You think you can trust this guy? So right as Loki says it's a manipulation, boom, he starts to manipulate even more. It's like, oh, okay, you want me to do that? I'm going to turn on the manipulation meter even more here. Loki says, don't listen to him. And uh, he who remains mocks Loki, don't listen to him. Do you think you're even capable of trusting anyone at all? And Sylvie and Loki, again, they look at each other. And they're like speaking to each other without saying anything. They're asking each other with their eyes right here, can I trust you? You know, and they're trying to answer each other. You can trust me. But Sylvie, she just doesn't like get to that point really. Um is we flash back to the TVA, but I thought the looks that they shared in, in this particular scene when they were sitting at the table and throughout, and some of the looks that Sylvie, Loki, and then uh, he who remains give when they're just in this room because there's only one person at a time that's talking. And so when the one person's talking, the other two are just sitting there. And a lot of times they have to be reacting. What does Joey say in Friends? Reacting. I'm not talking about acting again. I'm talking about you know what you do when you're uh, when you're not on the, when you don't have words. So yeah, this is this is it. This is like one of the big things when you're in acting classes. You have to make sure that when you don't have lines, you're react. You're still a big part of what's going on, and you're feeding and you're giving the actor something to the other one something to play off, something to feel off. I mean, I I could see everything they were trying to say, and they didn't have to say it.
2: Yeah, that just comes down to what great actors we have yeah. on screen. I mean, Hiddleston a- and Sophia Di- DiMartino and what Jonathan Majors uh, did there. It, it just goes back to that, that thing, like we were saying, about how great the, the casting is in the MCU. And on that note, I mean, we got some Emmy nominations uh, just recently. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I want to say Marvel. I got 28 Emmy nominations. For including- Wanda, right? Multiple Uh yeah uh, um, Falcon Also got a few but we got acting Nominations for the two leads in um, In WandaVision so I think that's just phenomenal
0: Great and in this show too you think Of like Hiddleston and Majors And uh like Richard E. Grant they're like classically Trained actors yeah. like Broadway stage, stage yeah. Shakespearean stuff you know and they're They just show you how All of them the fact that they, are, they have so much fun With the role Anyone good guy bad guy If you're a, the best bad guys are fun Still you gotta be evil and fun Too you know And that's what this, this, this Kang he who remains is um, As we check back in With Mobius He's telling Ravona, I think the people are ready to hear a little truth now You know like the TVA is a lie She says but what if it's a necessary one Somebody created the timekeepers This whole place they gave us all Purpose I have to believe they had A reason Mobius kind of Laughs no because I've Seen the horror waiting for people when They get pruned and there's nothing necessary About that she starts Defending you know what would happen If we didn't prune the timeline Mobius says What she says chaos Death Mobius Says free will she Goes free will only one Person gets free will the one in charge She is brainwashed, man. As uh, Mobius quotes her, he says, Friends across time, allies to the end. She says, Shut up. And Mobius says, That was so beautiful. And then you sent me to die. What happened to you? She tries to spin it on him. This is a great heel, evil person thing to do, right? Nothing. I didn't change. You betrayed me. You betrayed me I looked out for you I hung my neck out for you You suffer a crisis of faith You turn to those variants after eons of friendship You threw it all away on a couple of Lokis No Mobius I didn't betray you Great deflective stuff here, right? It's not me, it's you And you turn it around, you spin it on someone in a fight, man This is like manipulating 101 This is really well done by Ravona. She's trying
2: Yeah, well, are we sure she's even manipulating? No, you're right is still so dug in where she's like, no, like my purpose was the TVA. Okay. Even just because the TVA is not what I thought it was, it's still got to be important that we were doing this this whole time. So just because I was being deceived here, it doesn't mean that, you know, it was, it was bad. Maybe, That's... maybe they were deceiving me for, for a good reason, That's... you know, so she's dug in that way. She's like what I said in the last episode, our last podcast about cults when you're in a cult and you get like, like a doomsday call you in the, yep. you pass the date when the doomsday is supposed to hit you know certain people they'll go okay this is a, this is phony i'm out other people will go no there had to be a reason i can't have given all of my life to this if it was fake there must be something more we must have like miscalculated and, and then they dig in even deeper so she's on that side think about in these last two episodes the contrast
0: there are two in my head that jump out That were on one side, and then two that would have been, that would have realized and said, oh, nope. And then two that are going to keep drinking the Kool Aid. Think about it. You got Ravona and even Sylvie. Sylvie at the end, she still can't change. She still is devoted everything that, like all of her time to this one way. And even if that's the wrong way, that's what she wants to do. That's where Ravona goes. Think about classic Loki. And what he says to Mobius, because Mobius is the one that obviously is on the opposite side. His whole life has been dedicated to the TVA, but he quickly is able to to realize that what they're doing is bad and change his whole perception. And classic Loki is the one who goes, "Everything that you believed in and you worked your life on like for, and like you're you're gonna go against it." And that's when Mobius says, "It's never too late to change." Yeah. Um, so we've seen in just the last two episodes Like you said, if there were that cult There would have been two on this side, two on the other Side, which is just a microcosm of the World, you know, we're we're kind of at that Point right now, we're 50-50, we're half are On one, half are on the other of whatever Topic, whatever subject, whatever Whatever you're talking about, everyone's gonna Half are gonna go one way and half are gonna go the other Way, and uh, yeah We get these great, like, microcosms of Society, the real world, and everything That's happening in these Marvel movies And shows as a uh, she, you know, she goes off on Mobius. She tries to spin it on him. But with one line, he makes it all make sense here. We can't take away people's free will, Ravona. Do you not see that? Yeah. And, um,
2: it comes down to free will again. Like we've been saying all along, this is a question of free will and they're being, you know, it's it's being discussed by the characters on the very surface at this point. So it's not even subtext, it's the actual text of the show that this is all about free will and do we have it? Who has free will? Can we
0: escape I- our destiny? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's awesome. Um so she opens a portal with the temp pad and she's he at Mobius asks, What are you going to do? She says, What I need to do. He says, Wait, stop. Maybe we can build this into something better together. She says I'm sorry Mobius He says I'm not going to let you go She says please Mobius He takes out the weapon and he kind of holds it at her Like he's going to prune her She says please Mobius even with that You're no danger to me He says is is that what you think Let's see and he kind of comes at her And he tries to prune her And she just instantly Fights him off And I thought this was like a very Owen Will- like th- if this was the scene that Owen I don't I'm sure he didn't read for this but if like this would have been the scene that if he did they would have said oh yeah this is Owen Will-. like he just he gets pushed down so quickly and he says uh yeah you were right back here yeah. again <laughs> he says like on the she's not all bad she's not all good and that's those are the characters that are uh, are hardest to read because we don't we don't know what her motivations are yet, I don't think she really does she's kind of she's kind of played her hand a few times when she's said she doesn't really know that she's she wants to find out more. there has to be a reason so i I don't think she knows a whole lot more now than than what she's led led us to think she knows,
2: yeah, she's really like she's looking for answers still. And I think in her mind, she's trying to do the right thing. And even when she pruned Mobius before, she was probably thinking that that was just a really hard thing that she had to do, uh, but it was like the right thing. Uh, she justified that in her mind, uh, with that the stakes were too high, that you know her mission with the TVA, even knowing that it was phony on one level, uh, that it's still serving a greater purpose and that she would even betray her friend to, uh, to do that right thing. Um, so, yeah, I just think that uh, it's still very ambiguous as to, you know, is she good? Is she bad at this point? But leaning towards good just because, yeah, she let him live there. Um, but also, I like that she says she's in search of free will, which ties back to that earlier line that she says about only the one in charge has yes. free will. So, so she's we look- know, yeah, looking for the one in charge that's going to connect directly to Kang or a variant of Kang.
0: Which we head right back to see at the Citadel. He who remains goes on, and the way he moves around with such fluidity, it's like um, it was like an like you're watching like an an athlete at their craft. It reminded me of like um, because th- he, he's the table is his main prop here that he's using. He's sitting at this desk, and and it was like. I, and I I don't know I mean I, I I've been in some movies and TV shows and I've been on sets and stuff and sometimes it's as simple as like hey Jonathan Majors we want you to really have some fun walking around moving around this desk just go with it have fun and other times it's like the blocking is down to a T it all depends on who's directing and who you're working with and all that stuff you know but like this feels like I'm watching him and it's like when you watch a freaking Olympic ping pong player move around a table. Like, he's doing it with such fluidity It's so smooth He's like a gazelle Like, the way he's, like, sitting to standing To, like, half sitting on the front of the desk He's, like, moving around His arms It's like, this is, like, all part of his body and In one And it's I just thought it was so great Like, little things like that stand out to me I the last couple of years right before the pandemic I started Going back to acting classes and stuff and was picking Was trying to get right back into it actually right Before Milo was born and uh, Unfortunately I haven't been able to do as much then but I was Really I was really interested in just The craft and, and trying yeah. to take in The acting and 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 Seeing how really good actors would do it And trying to learn how to get into different Roles and, and some of the tricks and stuff and um, So now the last couple of Years when I watch things I just am I'm Wowed by, by people yeah. In particular and
2: was, choices. Yeah, the, the choices. choice. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of choices. The amount of choices that he made, the the, the variations and the, the the tonality of his uh, delivery, and like the like you were saying, he was bouncing around, and he did that with his every single line was kind of a, a, coming from a different place, but it all felt cohesive to this kind of uh, eccentric character, this godly character, uh, and. I had the same kind of thought, I think, uh, as I was watching, just listening to him go from one line to the next and then kind of playing it back and going, you know, he's basically he's just telling a story of how the universe, you know, exists. Or he's kind of doing a science lesson on, on. Yeah. In one sense here. But there's so much that he's imbuing every line with. Uh, and And it comes down to also that thing we talked about before is, is it entertaining? He's making it entertaining. It's entertaining and it's truthful. Those are like the two most important things that you can really be as an actor. You know, living truthfully within the imaginary circumstances, uh, and then there's uh, there's ju- there's being entertaining. <laughs> yeah. There's that, that aspect to it, which is kind of uh, more of the X factor, I think. But it's so crucial. And they say that's the one rule in filmmaking. I think uh, is that you need to be entertained.
0: Yeah. Oh good, and and he says I understand your moral objections to what the TVA does And my methods are deceptive uh, But the mission it never was Without me, without the TVA Everything burns Loki asks Then what are you so afraid of? He who remains responds Me (laughs) And Sylvie says And just who are you? And he who remains says I've been dubbed many names by many people A ruler A conqueror Really has some fun with that word Conqueror, you can tell And he who remains A jerk But it's not as simple as a name He kind of flicks Something out of the device on his wrist That time twister device And then what looks like a small Figurine Appears on his desk And it's a figure of himself and so as he's telling this tale, these figures are on the desk, kind of like a storyboard of of what's happening throughout his life. They're kind of showing you like a kid would be playing with toys as they're telling you the story. He... Uh, he says, eons ago, before the TVA, a variant of myself lived on Earth in the 31st century. He was a scientist. He discovered that the, there were universes stacked on top of his own. At the same time, other versions of us were learning the same thing. Naturally, they made contact. For a while, there was peace. Narcissistic, self-congratulatory self-congratulatory peace. He, when he does these different yeah." B- I love your shoes. I love your hair. Oh man, nice nose. Thanks, man. <laughs> like he's doing. oh my. this was like Jim Carrey. I could see like oh do you do Robin Williams. Even I love your hair. Oh man, nice nose. You know, and it was just incredibly, etc. They share technology and knowledge using the best of their universes to improve the others. However, not every version of me was so so pure of heart. And he's eating the apple. He's asking questions and answering them himself. Um, and uh, the peace, he said, to some of us, the new worlds meant only one thing new lands to be conquered. That word again. Yep. Peace between realities erupted into an all out war. And he goes, boom. Each variant fighting to preserve their universe and annihilate the others. This was almost the end. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, of everything and everyone. And then Sylvie d- jumps in But this is This is huge I mean this is big information Here where he tells us like you said Earth on the 31st century He tells us exactly how the multiverse Really was born And the sacred timeline he's going to go on With it a little bit more um, But this this And then I guess we'll go through the rest of what he says And we can kind of pick it all apart um, As uh, Sylvie says And then the timekeepers came along and saved us all You know, She says it mockingly And he says, Amen Just like I used to have to sing at church At St. Luke's back in the day, uh, over and over He says, no, no This is where we diverge For the dogma That first variant encountered a creature Created from all the tears in reality uh, From all the tears in reality Capable of consuming time and space Itself A creature you both know Loki Mm -hmm. answers Eliath. Bingo! I harnessed the beast's power and began experimenting on it. I weaponized Eliath and I ended the multiversal war. Once I isolated our timeline, all I had to do was manage the flow of time and prevent any further branches. Hence the TVA, the timekeepers, and a highly efficient bureaucracy. Hence the ages of cosmic harmony. Hence, you're welcome. You <laughs> came to kill the devil, right? Well, guess what? I keep you safe. You think I'm evil? Wait till you meet my variants And that's the gambit You may hate the dictator but Something far worse is gonna fill that void If you depose of him
1: Stifling
0: mm-hmm. order of cataclysmic Chaos I've lived a million lifetimes I've gone through every scenario This is the only way The TVA It works Boom I mean in two little little uh, Monologues here We get his entire Backstory who he is, why he's done it What's happening, what's moving This was a lot of information in like Two minutes
2: Yeah, it it, it tells us A lot about what we've wanted to know All along, like what the hell's behind the, You know, the TVA Like why is this, you know We never took it at face value We always kind of got this impression that it was Propaganda, but like why is Somebody propagandizing this and like who Is this guy that's behind it um, So yeah, it's a it also in a really cool way I think parallels uh I like politics global and geopolitics if you think about it like he specifically says about you know toppling or deposing of a di- a dictator that's, uh yeah. when we when we interfere sometimes sometimes uh the vacuum that's created is more dangerous than uh you know this the stable dictator or yeah. at least that's the argument that's made uh in, in geopolitics. Yeah. Um but uh it in in this case yeah what, yeah what kind of Pandora's box is being opened here. As uh
0: now this makes them really think because Sylvie, like hey everything you thought w- was bad, all of us bad people, everything bad here going on nope. I'm the best. I'm the nicest yeah. one here. I'm the one that just wants things to move smoothly And Sylvie says you're a liar yeah. yeah He says okay or I'm a liar And Loki says you just continue to prune Im- Innocent timelines And he, he said yeah he Says you too would There are two options One you kill me And destroy all of this so you don't have One devil you have an infinite amount Or you two. You two run the thing So Loki says you're lying Why would you give up being in control This is when he, he sits back down at the desk with Loki and Sylvie Now they're sitting facing him And he who remains says buddy I'm tired And I'm older I'm older than I look This game is for the young, the hungry I've gone through a lot of scenarios Trying to find the right person to take this spot It turns out that person came in too But it's definitely you two So no more lies, you kill me in the sacred Timeline, it's completely exposed Multiversal war, or you take over And return to the TVA as it's Benevolent rulers, tell the Workforce who they are and what they do And why they do it, Sylvie Furious, you treated Real people's lives like Some kind of a game, he said It's not personal, it's practical She says it was personal to me And he screams at her, grow up Grow up Sylvie Murderer (laughs) Hypocrite we're all villains Here we've all done Horrible terrible horrific Things but now We you have a chance To do them for a good reason Which is really true Right like these are three people sitting In this room who have done some pretty Bad things and yes Sylvie was Taken away from her family as A kid and taken away but She's definitely been she is not Innocent for some of the things that she's done
2: no, definitely not. And I always think back to Loki in the Avengers movie, like taking that guy's eye out, <laughs> just right. guy in the eye and like killing people uh, indiscriminately. And how many people must have died in the battle in New York and all that. I mean, he's literally like a genocidal maniac <laughs> at one point in, in, in his story. So the fact that we're, even on his side now and that we can empathize and sympathize with uh, him is 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 fascinating i think to really think about just the nature of of storytelling also on that level that we can get behind these these characters that are like beyond antiheroes. it's like the tony soprano thing like terrible character but he's a a fascinating protagonist and uh we love to watch him and in this case you know we've gotten a character who's gone full circle or i guess full 180 uh, to be from villain to now like i said earlier i think he's a hero at the, at this point he's yes. not even really an anti hero like he's been an anti hero for a minute now he's hero um and you see that dichotomy and the the divergence from Sylvie who's like on um, maybe still a different part of her journey
0: So this is when things change as we hear a a rumbling in the, in the background like a like a thunder and all of a sudden the look on he who remains face Changes that confidence That smile that smirk it's gone He is now He's a different person he's looking around He's scared he's kind of Nervous of twitchy Uncomfortably looking all over The place he drops a like A pen on the table just to kind of see what would Happen and then he kind of <laughs>, laughs like Because he doesn't know he says We just crossed the threshold And we keep hearing Thunder in the background He says, okay, so I fibbed I fibbed earlier when I said I know how everything's gonna go I I knew everything up to a certain point And that point was about seven, eight, nine, ten 10 seconds ago But now I have no idea No idea how the rest of this Is gonna go And we see behind him, it looks like the timelines Are branching We see that sacred timeline and there, there's branches Coming yeah. off of it And he who remains is kind of looking around Taking a deep breath And Loki says, that's it? That's it that's what happens at the end of Time and you're just gonna sit there With all that freedom and let us decide your fate And he says yeah Yeah what's the worst that can happen You either take over and my Life's work continues or you Plunge a blade in my chest an infinite Amount of me will start Another multiversal war And I just end up right Back here anyways Reincarnation baby
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love His performance here uh Again, I mean, we've, we've gushed over it already here, but uh, – and I mentioned earlier that this moment in particular was, was kind of my favorite when he crosses that threshold because there's just such a visible change in him. Uh, he's at once thrilled by the, the, the novelty of it. This is something that he hasn't seen before, so it's just like he's excited by what happens when he drops a pen, something as little as that. That's such a great yeah. moment. Right there, but he's also there's this underpinning of of fear, um, and, and at the same time, also he's resigned to whatever happens, happens. So all of this is kind of happening at the same time, from from line to line, and he's getting all of these you know emotions out while delivering you know exposition uh, left and right. So uh, it's uh, an absolute masterclass performance from this guy, and uh, I can't wait to go back and and um, Check out Lovecraft Country I which, heard, uh, I know he's excellent he was, in there Yeah, I hear I hear he's excellent in it and I hear it's an excellent show I think it's not coming back for a second season Which is unfortunate, but I'm going to go enjoy that, that First season, uh, especially now Since I, I've seen him in this
0: Sylvie says, no, it's just another lie Another manipulation And uh, he who remains Says no, no lie, no manipulation We can hear that thunder Getting louder in the background And he pulls out his time twister device He places it on the desk in front of Loki and Sylvie And uh, he says wow I love this I love all this honesty Feels like a fresh start And Sylvie jumps up To kill him But right as she's about to Loki grabs her and prevents it from happening He says what are you doing Hang out uh, He says hang on a moment Uh, Let's talk about it Sylvie says how about we finish what we Started and we kill him So Loki and Sylvie battle And this actually It wasn't long I thought the Choreography in this battle was really good It was quick it was these two Going at it you could see sort of the mimic With them two um, Where they have a lot of the same moves and a lot of the Similar fighting style They're uh, Sylvie kind of trying to enchant Loki he's kind of trying To enchant her back um, As he asks what if He's telling the truth," she says. "So, so what? Uh, believe that a bazillion boogeyman will turn up just because we give people free will? He's a liar," Loki. Loki says, "So am I, but I don't think he was lying. Not about that. He's insane, yes, but maybe he was telling the truth." And, yeah. and as this is happening, I love that the you said how he changes. He who remains once, once he doesn't have the script anymore. Because now he's just – he's, like, so fascinated just watching what's happening. Yeah. He's, like, such a willing uh, – like, a willing um, viewer in watching yeah. their battle. And then when when they, like, have their emotional moment, you could just see his face in the background. Like, he's hes just making – like, uh, just so great. You know, we've – he's getting all the praise that, that he should from us uh, on this show and from a lot of people because he, he was just, just so great as – He says better hurry Timeline's already branching So Sylvie asks Loki What are you suggesting Loki says think about it That we think about it Weren't you listening to what he was saying That's the gambit Remove the dictator What fills the void Now Sylvie thinks that Loki just wants to rule Because right Loki's always wanted to rule He's always wanted to be in charge He wants to be the god of mischief The king of Asgard All these things that he's wanted But he He is being 100% genuine He has He has already come full circle Like you said He's not an anti-hero anymore He's a hero He's seen his faults He's from watching his mistakes In the time theater To the the time loop with Sif To where he realized To just what happened with Mobius How he kind of was honest with someone And shared a connection To now what's happened with Sylvie Loki is much further along At becoming a complete person At becoming um, You know uh, A good person than Sylvie is He's he's just further there than she is
2: Yeah and I think The next few lines actually really Kind of speak to, to Why that is And it has to do with trust And her ability to trust
0: She says you want the throne He tells her no that's not it She says I don't believe you Loki says Sylvie the universe is in the balance Everything we know to be true Everything he's pleading with her I know the TVA has hurt us both But what if by taking him out We we risk unleashing something even worse All I'm suggesting is we take a minute To think about it I promise you from my heart This isn't about a throne But she doesn't really even What was I thinking trusting you Has this whole thing been a con And Loki's He's hurt He's crushed And you see uh, He remains just sitting in the background He's just chilling, making faces Kind of reacting to everything (laughs) And, And Loki says Really? That's what you think of me? After all this time Sure, why not? Evil Loki's master plan comes together You never trusted me, did you? What was the point? Can't you see this is bigger than our experience? And the next couple lines are, are I thought yeah. huge Where Sylvie says Why aren't we seeing this The same way And Loki says because you can't trust And I can't be trusted yeah. And she says Then I guess we're in a pickle And they they start to fight and use magic But this back and forth Because they have another one After this in a minute That seems like Maybe he's gotten through to Sylvie But this is real Sylvie right here She's putting on a mirage in a minute This is how yeah. she truly feels She just can't get to where Loki is yet because She hasn't had some of the same Experiences that Loki has to Complete her journey
2: So true and um, just going back to what we've Been talking about in terms of like where they are On the hero villain scale In uh, in uh, terms of Their journey the hero's journey Joseph Campbell, a hero has to take a leap of faith uh, and she just can't trust yet. She doesn't have that faith yet. Uh, So that that I think speaks to why she is where she is in her journey right now and why he is where he is. He he, he's been able to kind of humble himself to the point where he can take that leap of faith and operate on trust. Um, But, you know, to her credit, he's not really historically a trustworthy guy. He even admitted that as much. He's the, boy, he's the boy who cried wolf in more ways than one uh, So For somebody who is not capable of trust it, It's even more hard to To trust a, a Loki You know of all people
0: And uh, Sylvie And Loki start to fight um, They're using magic they're trying to Enchant each other And he says Sylvie wait And maybe he's lying Maybe he's not The cost of getting this wrong Is just too great Sylvie so says fine do it kill me Take me to your throne And Loki says no he doesn't want to do that And as soon as he lets his guard down She enchants Loki And she's just about to kill He who remains but then Loki Pops back up and he reappears Just as her dagger um, Has to stop like right at Loki's Neck he says Sylvie stop Stop and they Have this moment where It is it starts to seem Like it's getting to her I don't like I don't think this is fake. Her crying is fake. Like I don't I don't think she's um really playing that off to Loki because they look mm-hmm. at each other and and he tells her, "I've been where you are. I felt what you feel." I think she's crying more so because she knows what she has to do. She knows mm-hmm. what she's about to do. Um and Loki tells her, "Don't ask me how I know. All I know is I don't want to hurt you. I don't want a throne." I just, I just want you to be okay. A super powerful moment where Sylvie drops her dagger and she kisses Loki. And they kiss for a moment here. And it is it's so gross when we think about it, right? That's is the same person. But we, it doesn't feel that way at all when you're watching it. It's so powerful. Yeah. It's, it's very... Very very reminiscent of like Of the Wanda vision stuff you know Where when you like yeah when you dissect it And think about what it really is But when you take it for For the moment and they've made us So emotionally invested in these Two coming together these two That have never had this experience With anyone else and they have it with each other And so we want them To have this together we want to see them Together they kiss Seems like oh they're coming together Loki was able to get to her And then boom She uses the temp pad She opens up a portal And she kicks Loki Through it she pushes him right back Into the TVA and she shuts The freaking door and Loki Deja-,
2: right- Deja vu here I'm sorry because that, no, please. I think I've been said there was this one point Two episodes ago Where Loki gets um When he gets pruned uh, that reminded me of that moment. I think it's the end of season two of Buffy. Buffy and Angel kiss. Yes. And then she like plunges a sword through his chest and pushes him through a portal into hell. Yes. <laughs> so it's, yes. it's beat for beat the same uh, scene. It just shows you how much uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer has laid the groundwork and the fabric of the, like the, the, the blueprint for these types of shows. Even like phrases like Big Bad comes from Buffy in the Buffy yeah. writing room. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's something that we use to this day. You and I, even to describe the the, the bad guys in this, it's become do, ubiquitous. I'm gonna have to do. Yeah, gonna have to put that one on in the
0: background sometime soon and do an old uh, Buffy rewatch there. Um, yeah. So yeah, and Loki pops back up in the TVA, but we actually hear he who in, remains first. He says, "Incredible." He's like, he can't believe the the drama that he just saw These two came, they were fighting Then they, she was crying They came together to kiss And then she kicked him through the door and betrayed him And turned her back on him This was like, you couldn't script all of this You know, and, and better better than what they did right there for him He got like a first, uh, like a um front row seat To just one of the best uh, dramatic experiences of all time here
2: yeah, and for him, it was the first unscripted thing he'd seen in eons. Everything else, he literally had a script yeah, for. You're right. Showed us the script clear. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the first thing he was seeing where he, like didn't know what the hell was going to happen. And it was – it paid off. It was nice.
0: <laughs> is, uh, the, the one line, too, right, when, um, when Loki says, I just want you to be okay, and she drops her sword, and mm-hmm. they kiss And then as like she's finishing the kiss She says but I'm Not you and that's when Mm. She pushes him into the the Portal that she just opened she sends him back to The TVA so Sylvie asks he who remains aren't you gonna beg For your life and he goes oh I I could I could (laughs) And he he just sits there and Laughs and she stabs him and it's got to be this like really anticlimactic feeling for her. She's like, I've gotten, I've done everything I did to get here. And this guy doesn't even want to fight back. He doesn't even yes. want to like beg and plead. He's just going to sit there and let me stab him. And, and she <laughs> like, looks around like unsatisfied. This is her whole life building. And now she's on the floor. She's crying because she has killed. This variant of Kang This he who remains And all the timelines now have branched off We've seen them all But she, the only real experience That she's ever had was with Loki He's now gone forever She sent him back to a different place And she didn't get this fulfillment That she thought she was going to get You know, when we, she. It was almost like she felt like you know When I go and kill them there's going to be like Streamers and balloons that fall down And a big parade and it's just going to be rosy inside And I'm going to feel so much better Unfortunately when like when you're driven by Revenge you know mm-hmm. um, This is kind of like What you feel at the end there's some Feeling of justice maybe at some Point but you wonder if like Your motivation or if that energy Could have just been better used than, than, than like being driven by revenge And that's what she was here And she gets to the point where she does everything she wanted And it's
2: really that's it Yeah and it's like She was 100% goal oriented So they, they say this About you know in general When you have this like big thing uh, that this, this big goal that you're Striving towards and if, especially if it's like A lifetime like goal when you get To it and you actually achieve That goal uh, it can be a very disheartening feeling because then you're like, well, what now? Well, what do I have to live for now? What's next? Um, and on a, 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 it's almost like that, like a dog chasing a car. Like, what do you do when Let- when when he gets the car? Like, you're kind of like left, uh, you know, to start over almost. Even if you've just achieved a great goal, like, well, what's left? Why are you still here if you're ne- if there's no challenge or if there's nothing there? And like, add to that, there's also the ramifications potentially that she might be uh considering at that point like oh shit what have i done you know okay i have achieved this goal maybe i shouldn't have done that Was i don't Logan know right. Was second the guess truth? she's yeah. got she's got to live the, the results of this this thing and she doesn't know if it's going to be good or not and she has reason to believe that it's not so okay. it's immediately gonna weigh on her
0: Little uh, small side tangent because it reminded me of this when you brought it up and because you and I met each other working at TVG and for me yeah. growing up mom and dad met each other at the racetrack I go to the track all the time I'm taking my friends there I'm you know getting involved in movies and TVs and acting and stuff as a kid love all sports um, and so TVG was the dream for me it was my dream job I mean literally when I was a kid I'd have TVG on in the background I would know Matt Carruthers and Todd Shrup and all the analysts By name and like I had their jokes And everything and my we all would know them And that was what I wanted more than anything And I had a friend Who was working at TVG who got a job There I went over there one day Was just supposed to get a tour I ended up getting A job as the PA I'm working with You and I move up from PA to like six months down the line I'm on air and like i'm literally got the job that i've wanted everything that i wanted and i get to the point and and i was having a blast i loved everything i was doing for a little while and then you know it's a couple years in a little some management changes some other people come in and all of a sudden this thing that was your dream that you wanted your entire life and you're there and you're getting up every day and you're unhappy and some sure. days you're like even leaving like crying Like wondering like is this what it was supposed to be Was this was it and it's such a weird feeling It felt just when you say that It reminded me a lot of how Sylvie probably felt like My whole life I'm trying to work to get to this point And then I'm there and I'm like Not as satisfied as I Would have hoped and you start asking Yourself in your head is it something wrong with me What do I do you know can I really leave this place what am I going to do what, What's next for me where am I going to go After when this is all that I wanted What am I you know and and eventually I, I Did decide you know what I have to do it I have to leave Because I want to do what's right for myself and and then That moment afterwards is what Sylvie's feeling right now when she's on the Ground what yeah. the hell is next
2: And and it Also kind of speaks to what, what was said earlier about You know the journey being more about The point you know, like the point is, how you're changed on, on the journey. So, if you're completely focused on like whatever the end goal is, not to say that goals are bad, I'm not saying no. that at all. No. But, like, if that's all that there is, and you're not like, you know, as cliche it is, it's like stopping and smelling the roses. Trust the process, you know? Trusting, yes. Enjoying the process, embracing the process, the struggle, the grind, whatever that may be. Uh, then once you get to the goal, the goal, it's going to seem all that much more meaningless because it, it, like everything else was empty. There was nothing that you really gained from, from the process, but you know, that they say that maybe that's like the meaning of life, right? Like the struggle and challenge and, and to, to grow and, and, and change. But, uh, the meaning of life is not like one thing, like achieve one thing, uh, that that's probably not, not, not the answer to happiness.
0: No. And then, you know, I, I, same thing, you're struggling after I leave TVG, I'm wondering what to do you, Where are you going to go next But then you start to realize that It wasn't the place, right It was more of like the the people And what you're doing and some of the things around And so all of the things I learned Along the way How I grew matured How I became more of a quote unquote Man grew up learned a lot of things about the TV industry about being on live About the racetrack industry about sports About this and that about people oh I like That person I don't like that person that's my friend That's all stuff that's what it's all about All the way there and then when I think back sometimes and I would would, You know again at the afterwards If something immediately great didn't Happen then you're wondering damn what did I do Did I make the wrong move should I have left there should I have not And it's funny uh, a couple years later All of a sudden I meet Stephanie, I have Milo And now I think, when I think back at like The the road that you chose And the, the, the decisions that you made Had I stayed there That doesn't happen, like I don't meet her I'm not with Milo, it's just We don't meet up the way we did, everything changed Everything happened for a reason for me I was supposed, you know, that was all um, So it's, you know you, you look back and your perspective changes a little bit Sylvie's gonna get that same perspective She's gonna. She's gonna look back, and she's gonna get that perspective, and realize, like, you know what? Everything I was striving for was really the connection. Was really having a life, having moments, having memories, which is what she got with Loki. Um, yeah. And, uh,
2: and that's, this- why that's why we're watching a show, right? We're watching a show for the moments. Like, we can't just yes. tie it all up. in in the season yeah. finale, we season two to look forward to. Exactly. So it's like exactly. Exactly.
0: See, come for the low key recap. Stay for some uh, of Gino's philosophy uh, going on about yeah. his life as uh, as we we get back to the TVA and Mobius and Hunter B fifteen are talking and they they're looking at one of the monitors and all the the branches are blinking like crazy. We could see the timelines all branching off, um, and they say to each other, "No turning back now." For all time, always, and they watch as all these timelines branch off. We see Loki. He's been transported back into a room at the TVA, and he's just devastated. He's so sad, tears in his eyes. He's just lost Sylvie. He kissed. They kissed, and then she pushed him away. He's heartbroken. One of the only real connections he's ever had, but he's he's back at the TVA. So at least there's. Some possibilities here, he knows his buddy Mobius is here, and He decides to go find him But what's interesting is he passes A couple hunters in the hallway, they're Running all over, they don't even look at him It's just chaos everywhere, nobody Seems interested at all in in Loki, and so Loki runs through The library, he's looking all around the TVA He runs through the cafeteria, he finds Mobius and Hunter B-15 in the Library, they're talking all about what's been Happening, all the chaos, all the branches That's what 63 new branches in this unit alone He wants us to just let them all branch At this point how are we going to stop it As Mobius and uh, Hunter B-15 Talk back and forth Loki uh, Loki comes in and he says we can't Mobius says what What did you say Loki says it's done Mobius we made a terrible Mistake B-15 asks what And Loki you know Feverishly lets him know We freed the timeline We found him to be We found him beyond the storm A citadel at the end of time He's terrifying, he planned everything He's seen everything, he knows everything It's complicated, okay, right But someone is coming, countless different versions Of a very dangerous person And they're all set on war We need Mm. to prepare And as Loki is Exasperated, explaining this to Hunter B-15 and to Mobius He's talking all about he who remains And Kang, they are Mm. looking at him So confused So confused In the next line we find out why As Mobius says What What are you talking about Who are you What's your name He doesn't know Loki He says take it easy You're an analyst right What division are you from Wow So not only does he not know Loki He doesn't know uh, any of the Loki variants the whole god of Mischief who we've seen millions of The Loki variants in the old TVA And, and we knew that everybody knew uh, About a Loki or what a Loki Was yeah we're in this world Now where these two Haven't exist this is some weird Back to the future kind of thing where like They went forward they went back things have Changed they have, they don't know each Other whatsoever he doesn't know any Versions of Loki and Loki is Scared beyond belief
2: yeah And um those characters, Mobius and Hunter uh, P fifteen, they're they're also uh, bought in still. They're still like fully like into the TVA and concerned yeah. about the time stream. So like they're you know back to square one, brainwashed uh, soldiers again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Loki's potentially got two allies, but right now they're they're actually probably in the way and probably going to uh, jam him up a little bit. Um, he's going to have to face a new layer of bureaucracy and seemingly. Uh, From what we understand It's probably not going to be as benevolent So this might be a much more uh, Darker and uh, dystopian version Maybe a more draconian version Of the TVA I'm I'm excited to see that too So as uh,
0: Hunter B-15 And Mobius are kind of talking And they're on their radios They're talking to other hunters As all this chaos is happening um, They ask one more time uh, Who are you? As Loki sort of looks around And as he looks around at the TVA things are different now there's a statue right there and instead of the three statues of the timekeepers it's just a big statue of Kang of he who remains this was a very planet of the apes um yeah, moment I, here oh, so true and yeah. um you know you got through like you there were so many shows that felt like they had some kind of an influence, anything to do with time travel from Back to the Future, Doctor Who, Rick and Morty. You mentioned Lost, um, and and here you're getting that feel of the Planet of the Apes stuff and the credits roll. But in the middle of them, yeah. we get a stamp that says Loki will return for season two. So we have a cliffhanger, but we will be back. And yeah. oh, wow, I thought I thought they nailed this, Tim. I just I was so entertained by this series. Almost throughout there were very low A few low moments and even I think Some of the things that you mentioned that might have been low moments They they didn't take me all Away from it all that much it wasn't really Low about the story it might have just been Some of the CGI and stuff and what The budget was like and depending on when they were putting this Together you know maybe during a pandemic Other than that yeah. other than Maybe a few technical things I, The acting was great the writing was Great it was funny it was rich it was Honest they made us Quickly again like they did with Bucky. Like we're all in on getting behind Loki. Like he's, he's a hero now.
2: Yeah. They really uh, successfully rebooted the character. And I was curious, um, you know, did they, did they have this plan that season two is definitely going to happen? Like before they started the series or were they kind of waiting to announce it and, and green light it until the reception kind of happened for it? Cause it, Up until seeing that, my understanding was that it was going to be like this limited series, Uh, just just the six one off. uh, And uh, and I was happy to see that. But this makes sense that we're going to get another uh, season out of it. Um, You mentioned other shows and whatnot that it compares to. I, I saw a lot, especially in the dynamic that it's been reset now. The Good Place, if you've ever seen that. It reminds me of kind of what happened Oh so good,
0: oh my gosh Yeah, that was one of the first things that I think Mallory Rubin had mentioned And oh, you're right It is the way they have to um, Oh, this was like the 18th simulation This was the 7,256 simulation You know, they have to like re That's a great show If you haven't watched The Good Place, check it out I'm, I'm glad that was one that you mentioned too Really good stuff
2: Yeah, yeah, a lot of parallels there Especially Uh, Where we're leaving off at the end of the first season, almost identical uh, for our main characters. Uh, So I think that's really cool, and I also think um, it's nice the way that they announced it at the end of the the episode as kind of a mid credits uh, thing. I think that says more than some people might really think about it uh, on its surface, but just just the idea that it's you know Loki and the file being stamped there—that to me cues us in that we're going to be continuing the TVA, and we're going to be continuing that kind of setting but mm-hmm. we're just going to seeing it from a different perspective a different version of it and i think that's really cool and i also think it's really cool how the timeline instantly changes because that's essentially what would happen it's almost like when they talk about ai when ai takes over it's going to be able to evolve so fast that it'll be able to like evolve itself and then mm-hmm. things There's uh, like a tipping point that they uh, they refer to. (laughs) And with with time travel, it's kind of the same thing. Whereas like once you have a time travel being that's creating multiple timelines, like that's almost like instantaneously going to create all these branches uh, because they're just jumping around to different points in the timeline in the future and the past and creating. And then that's going to be reflected in like, quote unquote, real time for Loki as like this instantaneous thing. Or almost like like how you described it as Back to the Future, like he went back to his reality, but it had just instantly been fundamentally changed by this like butterfly effect. Um, So I think that that's that's really cool. Um, i probably said really cool many many. Me too. I was gonna say
0: which is also a butterfly effect. That movie itself, which you know what, I think it gets a lot more crap than it should. I maybe it was because when I watched it, I actually think I think I remember watching it like one of the. If not the first time, or one of the first times I ever took shrooms. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> just had this unbelievable experience with like oh, every goodness. time he would go crazy and go back in time and like do the like get out of his brain. I was like, oh my God. So I, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe it was something to do with that. But hey, I'm, a, I'm an Ashton fan. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm uh, I don't mind. But you, there are just all the different time travel shows, movies, and stuff. Um, they get nods throughout this show as, just as we said and we Repeated it's opened up Everything now with the multiverse It's all on the table every One every storyline we've Got a new big bad that seems like He's 50 million times Bigger and badder um, I actually read That they said some of the the Character uh, the characters I think the character Kang um, Was influenced a little bit By uh, the movie seven um, Also where he's you know Playing different Parts and just like absolutely batshit um,
2: Yeah and being the, um, Like he said He paved the road to get him there so like The implication to that is that like he Wanted Sylvie to kill Him he, mm-hmm. he knew Sylvie would act in that way or strongly Suspected it and I guess he said As much but the way he s- described It was that like he was fine with Her, her killing or taking over like Either one would have been fine but I think The seventh thing um, yeah that kind of Implies that What he really wanted was to was to get out of this mortal coil, you know.
0: Some other big picture thoughts before we uh, we finish up here and we let TK uh, go. So Loki fell in love and made friends, and keep in mind some of the things he said. Trusting in anyone but yourself is foolish, and so he did, and now he probably feels like a fool when that happened. Um, As I. Watched the uh the final scene between Loki and Sylvie I couldn't help But think about their uh love Is a dagger conversation You know earlier mm-hmm. on how It was like literally the dagger Uh for Loki That you know pushed him back in And and she, she you know she Didn't kill him but she Like she pointed him with that love dagger So so hard um that yeah. sounded bizarre. That sounded so weird when I just said <laughs> like, it was like, supported him, but that loved that. I was like hearing it. I was like, that that was bizarre. But uh I guess the one thing that a lot of us will uh will complain about. But I am very confident, Tim, especially that we know there's gonna be a season two. We will get our Mobius jet ski moment. We didn't get it yet, yeah. but we'll yeah. get it.
2: Yeah. i I think we will get it. Uh, Yeah, they still have time to pay that off. I think that that was my favorite aspect of them saying (laughs) second season. Right, and one of the first things I thought of was like, ah, they still have time to get Mobius on his jet ski. Like (laughs) the story's not over yet. We're gonna see him on his jet ski. I personally, I would love to to see a flashback and and see that he was uh, his original incarnation was on a jet ski all along. Yeah, you know that that that'd be nice to see. But yeah, he's got to end up on that jet ski too.
0: So uh, oh yeah I think we probably got to most uh, most things in one way shape or form um throughout and they uh yeah they did such a fantastic job here again all, all the praise in the world for this show uh, all six episodes there were so few things that I I didn't love and I I I thought were worthy of critiquing and when you're when you're Introducing topics and theories that are This expansive like it's so easy To make some mistakes or to not have Everything all the box Boxes checked but I mean Feige incredible and between Him and Favreau and the Worlds that they've built from, from Recently with Star Wars and with uh, And with the Mar- with Marvel you Can tell that they are their are fans they They're not doing this for the money they could do this. Mm-hmm. They could. They probably have what money they need. They could do whatever else and be fine. They enjoy having the responsibility of telling these stories. You know, you can tell he like they just take everything so seriously. They have so much fun messing with us and setting up the next thing and continuing the story all along. It's just we're in so much better hands right now with Marvel with MCU. The fact that we got. Black Panther the fact that we got Black Widow movies that we We wouldn't have gotten a decade ago When other people were making some of the key Decisions for Marvel or For Disney you know um, uh, For for Star Wars So I I'm just as a fan Of these worlds I'm really Excited where
2: we uh, where we're heading moving Forward so true and I think you're right and you have a really good Point there when you said they're not doing it For the money I mean obviously there's hundreds and thousands of people working on these movies uh, for, for the checks, but the guys who are in charge of shepherding the stories and piecing them all together, you mentioned Kevin Feige, um, but like that guy in particular has a love and appreciation and understanding uh, for these stories and these characters uh, that, that is very deep and it goes well beyond just being a profession. Uh, so he's, taken that very seriously and I think the, the core group of people uh at Marvel that are shepherding these stories do uh do take great care with it and it's uh and that's sort of the opposite of what we've seen with some of the executives or the and the people shepherding the movies on the other side on on on, on DC where they've kind of been a rudderless ship in a lot of ways or maybe the guys uh in charge are being a little bit uh hamstrung too much by by the money guys up at the top, mm-hmm. uh, who don't have a love or appreciation or understanding of the characters, but somehow we lucked out where Disney was, by for all intents and purposes, also a very just a money hungry, you know, big yep. corporation monopoly thing, not necessarily a good thing always. Um, we've lucked out that they've hired the right people and put the right people in charge to kind of give fans what they want uh for the most part and kind of really pay off the potential that exists with this library of characters so i I think we're we're lucky that we got uh an mcu that's as strong as it is right now uh and i hope that they can keep it up and keep keep doing that and keep expanding further and further because like we're in uncharted territories Mm -hmm. we've we've passed our own threshold in the storytelling of like where we're now into this, like, we're into multiverses And we're into, like, combining IPs Young and Avengers, Sony.
0: and perhaps The Thunderbolts, and these These... Yeah
2: untested Waters. So, uh, I hope That they can t- continue on this uh, tr- the, With the track record that they've had And, and that um, what they do Will be as rewarding uh, To the fans as what they've done so far
0: Very lucky To be in a time An era where they have these opportunities with streaming services You know, this is one thing that we talked about From the very beginning with WandaVision Where who knows if any of these projects Would have really been able to be movies Who knows if they would have ever gotten behind them And and thought, you know what I don't know if we can really tell that story Is it going to be worth it or Are we going to make enough for what we're going to put into it This and that When you've got the, the streaming services And when, you know You just have a different way Of creating content To where um, you can drop them once a week You can drop them, you know, a a bunch of shows uh, All at once and and, and make it bingeable But it just Mm -hmm. gives you much more freedom Than the traditional old way of Oh hey, this movie better make money Or this show is going to be on network TV It better be having incredible ratings Or it's going to get cancelled There were a lot of projects in the Marvel years Through the years that Got thrown on TV or Netflix Or something for a little bit started Stopped but didn't get the Didn't they didn't get the um, You know the kind of support that these shows Have and if they would have they probably Would have succeeded
2: Yeah yeah yeah, definitely Um, This is a new era for the MCU I mean this is the They've done like the Netflix shows like you mentioned Which had their their fans and I think were Really really strong Yeah Um, uh, and I think there are plans to fold that in. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they'll have a great opportunity to do so, fold those characters into the um, main MCU with, you know, what we've seen in Loki and this multiverse uh, stuff. So they'll be able to clarify that a little bit, uh, hopefully. Uh, but, but yeah, they've they've really done a, a good job, like, separating this and establishing that, okay, th- this is like a new era for the MCU and these are the, like, the official properties that we're, we're launching that are officially Canon um, and resetting expectations in a good way uh, to where we're now looking at a a TV show for a lot of the things that we were getting from, um, from films and not lowering our expectations and not uh, thinking of it as the separate, uh, separate quality kind of product. Uh, But it's all cut from sort of the same cloth. And that got me thinking a little bit Of like could Loki have worked as a movie uh, And what uh, You know WandaVision is very obviously Something that had to be on TV mm-hmm. Falcon Soldier I think could have Been a movie probably. I agree
0: that one Of um, all three it feels like it could have been the Easiest as a movie I think
2: And then Loki I also think Could have been a really good movie as Well I don't think it's right Or wrong that it, it did what it did as a TV Show I think it was a success so it's got to be right in that sense. But I also think that they could have chosen to make this I a agree. movie and the story was strong enough that they could have had classic Loki and this, like, into the Loki verse, the, the whole Alive thing. I think they really could have touched on almost everything from the series in a movie. And that's not a judgment or anything. I just thought that was, um, a, something a, that interesting I, choice I,
0: from them, right? Like, yeah which, yeah, which ones they decide to go with as a movie and, and decide to go with as a TV show. And, um, I, uh, yeah think if you have anything else that you want to uh, get to or or wrap up with feel free but as a uh- that as we uh, sort of transition The next thing that we will be talking about Is one uh, movie that came out last week That is Black Widow So I think we're going to record uh, that Sometime in the next week or so When you and I have a few minutes to sit down Because I don't want to rush it and We already spent two hours on Loki and We didn't. We don't need to go for five hours straight uh, This morning in a row when, when we're recording But uh, we, we can come back and talk Black Widow So just as like a little bit of a teaser Because I know you said you watched it in the uh, in the theater I've watched it a couple times now um, yeah. Give me like a without... Spoiling it give me some of your like uh, what you think About Black Widow and then uh, moving forward as we Get ready to talk about that it's It's a little different and it's It's Mm -hmm. because it was supposed to have been A movie that came out A while ago and it tells us a Story of somebody who This isn't a spoiler I mean we already know she's Going to die not in this movie but we Know that she's going to die so it We it's 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 sort of a unique A a tale that they have to tell From a, a unique way
2: yeah and i mean uh kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier about how the journey is more the point because we know the ending of her of her story you know she's she's dead by the end of it but like okay why is her story important that's kind of what's uh being shown here and it, it also functions you know to to create a new black widow i'm, yep. I'm sorry i'm spoiling something no no, no not at all no but you know like they're they're planting seeds as well just like you mentioned earlier Every new property, plant seeds for the next probably multiple properties, and so we get like a post credit sequence that um, ties very much into uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, and also just on, you know, in terms of tone, in terms of the type of movie that we got, it's very much in that vein. It's 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 on in the same grounded, real yes. spy with like, like elevated tech. And like some superhero elements and sci-fi elements, but it's very much supposed to be like a human on the ground. It's not you know, stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's that iron, it's the Iron Man kind of formula. Mm-hmm. And it works to to reset and reground uh the series, which, you know, like we're seeing in Loki has reached these, you know, incredibly fantastic um uh, points in the story where we're, we're, we're doing things with with magic and multiverses and really high concept, n- the opposite of grounded uh, human street level kind of stories that Marvel is also very famous for. So it was cool to have kind of a story that kind of bridges that gap and is closer to the grounded story. Um, Cause we do, I mean, I'm not going to say it's like completely grounded. We get a fight that happens like, you know, from a falling, city in the sky (laughs) or like a fortress in the sky like almost like a helicarrier that lasts like crazy long and there's all these like over the top uh moments but the action uh can also be very grounded uh, in in, in the fighting style i thought that it it, it was the best black widow fighting since iron man 2 and i really like the new characters david harbour stood out to me as oh my gosh uh, part of the the movie
0: He's great and we're gonna, we're gonna have to get Some Red Guardian stuff moving forward uh, Of his yeah. own Some series movie something He's already been, been uh, trying to, uh, to uh, Push for it himself He would love that It was great um, I, I had a lot of fun with it I'm sure there will be things that we can could, could, could critique And we will do that when we talk with Tim Kelly Next time uh, TK we've got the Black Widow That we're going to discuss uh, The movie following that August the 11th we've got the series What if later this yeah. year We're, we're going to have Hawkeye Where uh, I think a lot of what happened In Black Widow will, will be tied Into Hawkeye for sure We're going to have Miss yeah. Marvel in late 2021 as a series And then we get into some of the movies Coming out we've got uh, September 3rd Shang-Chi and the Legend Of the Ten Rings we've got the Eternals Coming out at the end of the year uh, In November we got Spider-Man Home Spider-Man No Way Home in December And then uh, early next year We've got uh, Multiverse of Madness Doctor Strange That's in March Following that yes. we've got Thor Love and Thunder I mean we've got movies and TV shows Now every couple months It is going to be
2: non-stop It is dense yeah it, it's great And I, I'm super excited about What If Especially now that uh, I, I think it's going to be more Regarded as canon These What If stories yes. because of the we can look at it as these actually happen Within the context of the greater MCU yes. uh, The greater MCU multiverse uh, So they're not just what if stories These are real stories that just happen In one of the branches from the main timeline
0: Tim Kelly i uh, have been very lucky to have Tim help us out Now with all three of these Disney Plus shows, it's crazy to think about We've got all of them in the book So if you're someone who didn't watch WandaVision Or you didn't watch it all the way through Or Falcon and the Winter Soldier When you go back and re-watch Toss on uh, the podcast that we have to help kind of get you through and help understand everything. We set you all that we set you all the way up through WandaVision, through Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and now through um, our our finishing touches on Loki. And uh, in just a few days, we'll uh, we'll actually it'll be our first movie that we're doing. We'll uh, we'll be doing Black Widow, and then as we you know move forward with the, all the current projects, we'll we'll start. Picking out times uh, where we can go back in time And and go through some of the old ones So eventually we'll have this big Marvel library, TK Of all the Marvel media Content out there And um, Even as much as I I Thank you for helping out And I, I know all of the listeners really appreciate All the time that you put in Man, I miss you, you're my friend, it's been great to just Catch up with you again for the last little bit We worked together and I got to see you Like four or five days a week when we were working together for a while And we always hit it off, but then you know, people go different ways. Start we don't work together. You don't see each other as much. And ah, it's been so nice to just catch up with you every week and know that I'm gonna I'm gonna get to hang out and spend a little
2: time with you. 100, percent man. It's been a real pleasure, especially both of us being uh, fathers, kind of. I know, right? Yeah. Time, so we have that in common too. And it's just been great to catch up with you and and uh, and talk these shows, man. I uh, I don't know if you remember back at TVG, I was like half of what I did there on the job as <laughs> yep. we would talk. Yep. um we would just break down stuff you remember ray ray baden the uh editor extraordinaire that uh, was my morning ritual Is i would go and, and hang with him and, and we would break down the tv we watched that week uh and and up up in the tape library you and i uh just chatting about that stuff left and right so it just feels like a continuation of that and yep. uh, it's pretty cool to share it with the listeners
0: it is, it is uh, Shout out to Ray and Tim, our uh, our editors over there Who used to hear us uh, talk and talk and talk uh, TK, Tim Kelly Thank you so much, buddy And uh, uh, we'll be back in uh, in a couple of days To chat some Black Widow
2: Alright, thank, thank you, man, it's been a pleasure
0: For everyone out there, uh, you'll know what, I, what we mean In a few days when you hear Bye, bye Miss American Bye Throw my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Make sure to give Tim a follow uh, on social media at Tim is not funny on Twitter and on Instagram and anywhere you download your music, Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. Make sure to check out Ice Cream Fire, the project. There, TK, buddy, uh, have a nice rest of your day. Talk soon.
2: Thanks so much. You too.
0: Do not go anywhere folks Uh, It's sad mixed mixed emotions right We finish up with Loki but don't worry We got Black Widow coming up soon Still more here on That's What G Said We have had so much fun going over Every episode of Loki with you Thank you to Tim for helping us out Spending lots of hours here With us on That's What G Said And folks later this week we'll have The Black Widow Review coming up for you As Tim and I will go through everything That uh, happened in the the newly released Black Widow which you can watch on Disney Plus or in theaters So uh, we continue on with Everything Marvel and MCU Thank you to TK For helping us, thank you to Eric for helping us kind of a a day where we were really thanking them because we got the end of low-key we got the end of the NBA it's not as if we won't be hearing from them you're gonna be hearing from them quite often here but uh whenever we put a bow on a season and a sport or a show there's always a, a little bit of that sad feeling so uh, thanks to Eric thanks to uh to Tim and hopefully we could help lead you to some winners between the uh, Wednesday racing and the Thursday racing we'll be back a little later on. This week with the, all the, uh, the weekend stuff We'll set you up for weekend racing From uh, Saratoga and from Del Mar And we'll continue on We'll uh, have a baseball segment And we'll have this week in wrestling With Chad Cooper We'll go over everything that happened recently The fans are back in WWE Smackdown, Money in the Bank Monday Night Raw, lots to talk about NXT and then on to AEW We'll have that all for you Next episode of That's What G Said